course, as most of you, probably perhaps all of you realize, this live stream was inspired by the recent announcement by HBO that there is going to be some kind of Age of Heroes type spinoff. Only a pilot at this point isn't even made yet, but you know, that's a good reason to talk about the Age of Heroes, even though details are light. Allows us to just have fun with talking about the Age of Heroes as a period, and making guesses as to how the show might look. Because there's a lot of way, directions they can go with this, and given what I said about the details being light, it's not very easy to narrow things down. But of course, before we get into any of those details, let's say hi to our other co-hosts here. Of course, Ashea is the best, as my shirt can attest. She's here. <laughs> Did you find that rhyme? Yeah, yeah, I did. Absolutely. I think it's better if you didn't plan it. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, okay, then I didn't. It, whatever is better is what I did. And of course, let us welcome to the one, the only Lucifer Means Lightbringer, LML. Say hey, my friend. Oh, me and the audience are already well acquainted, my friend. Yes, that's true. They know you well. We know you well, so... No, I meant I meant because Joe and I were spinning tinfoil for like five minutes while your guys' audio was down. <laughs> I, played, was I played the Westeros of History theme, we bonded, we shared memories. No, this but seriously, uh, you guys uh, know uh, LuciferMeansLightBringer.com, LuciferMeansLightBringer YouTube channel, Mythical Astronomy of Ice and Fire, Moon Meteor, Moon Meteor, Moon Meteor, everyone take a shot. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I will drink coffee to that. And, of course, we have another guest, as some of you may have noticed, by using your eyes yes. <laughs> and your ears. And we've been meaning to have this gentleman on for a while, and this was the perfect opportunity for reasons I will explain shortly. Uh, Joe Magician, welcome to the podcast, and tell everyone who you are and why you're great, because we already know that, but everybody well, else may, may or may not. I mean, how much time do we have to talk about how great I am? <laughs> Ten seconds. Ten seconds? Oh, my God. Okay, so my name is Joe Magician, also known as Matt. Uh, I'm a moderator for the Song of Ice and Fire subreddit, co-host of the Maester Monthly Podcast, and I have my own YouTube channel, at Joe Magician. Um, so, what's it going about how great I am, David? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Joe tell like everybody. Six four, dude. He's got. He's like 6'4", and he's like just an intimidating presence. Even when he's slouched at a 45-degree angle in his chair, still intimidating. <laughs> the height like is, is great, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I towered at Con of Thrones. You people are all short. So there was um, a round of ideas that came from the fandom the community in a, in a lot of ways, in a lot of places. Some of you all are familiar with Ashea's pitch for Nymeria as a spinoff series, but of course that's not what we're here to talk about today. But Joe, you specifically had a pitch for a show kind of like this. So I think that's a fun way to start. Tell us what your pitch was, and uh, we can kind of go from there. So on the Maester Monthly podcast, episode four, when we were talking about the five-year gap, just for, for our unpopular opinion Thunderdome, we had just all pitched ideas, and I went for uh, <laughs> The Age of Heroes as, as mine. Um, the basic idea behind it was that for a lot of the other pitches that people have heard, they're very specific. You, you, can, you can sort of look up in the history, you can look up in the books, uh, like what happens. The main thing I said about the Age of Heroes is that it's very wide open because of the very uncertain nature and the way George wrote it, the way that the myths could be legends, that they could be uh, 
very uncertain about what they are. And if you're talking about from HBO's perspective and from a writer's perspective, it's it's an excellent way to bring in somebody because they don't have to redo George's work. They can make their own. That's that was right. the basic pitch. That's great. Yeah, and you're right because that is kind of where we're at. It's a lot of, you know, when I sat down to start thinking about this, kind of a lot of the same thoughts. It's like, wow, they could just, Age of Heroes, that's just a vast, vast topic. Mm. There's so many ways they can do this. But George R. R. Martin had some specifics <laughs> that he threw out there that we think we should maybe try to build around. But um, let's, uh, we'll get to that in due time. Real quick, first off, I want to give a few shout outs. We've got our uh, patrons to give a shout out to here. Jeff Gnarly, the long snapper, always first. And of course, our Dragon Rider patrons. Here's um, Mazla Cartho. And I want to say we've got a new Mazla Cartho piece coming soon. So feast your eyes on this one because you won't be seeing it except in previous episodes. A new one's coming with uh, cool background art and everything. I'm excited to show that one in our next episode. We also have uh, Telenis the Talon here. Uh, this is Telerius the Dragon. Telenis is the Dragon Rider. And of course, we have Irogenia, uh, the, uh, the Dragon for Jinx of House Lear who is uh, very shiny and blingy. <laughs> Jinx is. Yes, Jinx and her dragon, <laughs> both shiny and blingy. <laughs> so, you can get uh, lots of different benefits, including shout-outs and early access to episodes, including a few bonus episodes. We have a lot of, of our con panels up on Patreon for patrons only. We have some that we release to the general public, and we're still working through which ones we want to release to the general public and which ones we're going to leave Patreon only. We have a lot more this time around. Con of Thrones 2017 was great, but one of the things that didn't go well was the audio recordings weren't so good. This time around, there were a lot of good recordings. I know both of you guys, LML and Joe Magician, have probably put up a few of your panels as well. LML's um, got video for his, too. That's right. That's even, yeah, even a cut above there. So lots of good stuff coming out of the con. Even if you weren't able to make it, you could still experience a lot of the content that was put forth there. And I see people in the chat talking about People who were there at the con excited to uh, be hanging out with people in the chat that they got to meet in person. And that applies to us as well. We had, um, hadn't met either of y'all in person until this last Con of Thrones. And that was great. Just seeing everybody in person and, you know, it's just like we've known each other all along, even though we've never met in person. So that's one of the great things I like about this community. You can just uh, mm -hmm. meet somebody for the first time, but it's, it's like you've known them for a long time, even though you hadn't actually met before. Very typical. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's get into the uh, actual discussion. We'll start with just the basic things that we know. Aziz, then... actually, can I get a super quick word in about the con real quick? I just sure. want to say, um, I put up a lot of videos. Everyone's thanking me. And so I just want to real quickly say, uh, it's just my way of saying thank you to everyone who supported me and sent me there. So I am the one who was grateful. And I am more than happy to throw all those up on YouTube C slash Lucifer Means Lightbringer. Yeah, I mean, right, it's, it's it's the least we can do, right? These panels, it's not like we have to record a whole new episode. We just edit this audio and put it up for y'all. And since, like he said, y'all are the reason we got to go to these cons for the most part anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's the least we can do. And uh, we're really glad to share. And we're glad that it, it worked out this time. Okay. And, and just real quickly, um, uh, the Morality Beyond the Wall and the Lord of the Rings ones are from my channel, but... Um, if you're missing any, you can't find them anywhere. Watchers on the Wall is uploading all the raw audio to their YouTube channel right now. So oh. if there's something you can't find, it will be there. Yeah, there's a lot of them are in multiple places because, you know, there's some of these panels have two, three, four people on them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might have four different podcasters or uh, something like that. So, yeah, that's very good. Um, we're looking forward to next year and um, whatever cool stuff comes out in between. So let's start with 
George's thoughts, because I think that's really important. I think when the news of this first broke, there was a little bit of misinformation. People were kind of running with the idea that George was one of the showrunners, which isn't really true, which is kind of a bummer. We kind of, you know, it's, it's a little, I guess it's kind of bittersweet either way, because we all prefer him to be working on The Winds of Winter. But the idea that he's not going to have a whole lot to do with this show, well, I think we'd rather have our cake and eat it too. We want him to focus on The Winds of Winter, but we would also love for it to be the show to have... I don't know, maybe you could say more of an A Song of Ice and Fire feel to it than a Game of Thrones feel to it. But I think what we should expect is more of the latter, you know. But that's just my guess. Obviously, we're all kind of guessing here. So I think not everyone's going to agree with me there. Uh, George says that he's very clear to point out that this is not the story we expect. And that can be taken a lot of ways, just like this Age of Heroes timeline can go a lot of ways. But I think there's a lot to be read into the fact that he said if he had his way, this show would be called The Long Night. So even though The Long Night, the dating of The Long Night, the chronology of The Long Night is very much in doubt, um, it's very unspecific, it's impossible to pin down, it doesn't mean that we should at least, well, it does mean that we will at very least be centered around the cause of or during The Long Night. So... I think that it gives us a lot to work with, even though it's not very specific. Um, a couple more things to get through before we dive into discussion. We wanted to lay out the what we do know about the show, but also what we know about the time period. So that's kind of the basics of the show. But as far as the time period, um, we're not going to dive too deep into the chronology. Like I said, it's, it's, we could do a whole episode on just the chronology. In fact, David, here's a chance for you to shout out what you've got coming up in regards to that, this exact topic. Uh, doxing me again. You threw me off. What was the question? The you have, a, you have an episode coming up, a dis live stream coming up to discuss the timeline of the... Oh, yeah. Okay, totally. So, in fact, uh, I've just finished the promo shot for this. And so I will debut... This is my new... I've got a new show, basically. It's called Between Two Weirwoods. And it's going to be a live panel-style discussion. And uh, Joe Magician thought of that name, by the way. Very clever. You're Joe welcome, Magician. buddy. Good job. And uh, basically, I just had so much fun at the con coming up with panel ideas and discussing and connecting with everybody. And now I know so many content creators uh, that I figure I'll just keep the magic running and just have live discussion panels on my channel. They'll be outside the context of mythical astronomy. Uh, so not everybody has to have listened to all my episodes and know all the moon meteor jargon. We're just going to talk about all sorts of different subjects. And the first one is coming this Saturday at 3 Eastern on my channel. And... Here is what it looks like. What happened? That Say is my. Oh, you have to keep talking. You know, oh, I have to keep talking so you can see it. So this is Between yeah. Two Weirwoods, presented by Lucifer Means Lightbringer. You can see that we've got Tony Teflon, Gray Area, Ideas of Ice and Fire, and yours truly. And we will be talking about the timeline. So we're going to be sort of throwing each other's personal tinfoil about how the time uh, timeline might be wrong at each other and seeing what sticks tearing it down sort of just talking about all the different ways that it might be able to work out so it's a nice graphic it, there i like those headshots <laughs> yeah i was uh, working on that all morning cool um okay so that's cool um so we're, we're gonna just what, what what i'll go through real quickly here is the quote unquote 
known timeline, which is not really known. This is just kind of the, the standard canon, but none of us should take this at face value. And that's one of the things that LML and his team are gonna, gonna um, dive deep into. But as far as what we his are told, team. His team, his squad. Oh, they are. They are very much a team. We are a team at this point. We've done a, we've done a few pods together on Gray's channel. So word. Uh, so the the idea that um, we uh, where was I? That, oh yeah, timeline. The timeline. Say, of... We have like a, a very unspecified length to the Dawn Age, which is considered the earliest known age. And the Dawn Age is when again supposedly things like the breaking of the world and the uh, flooding of the neck, things like that supposedly happened. But given the uncertainty of the timeline, these events could absolutely appear in this show. Absolutely, because they, they have enough. They, can, they already play with timelines in Game of Thrones, and this wouldn't really be playing. This is just clarifying something that's never been known. So they can do whatever they want. And I think that is interesting just because it opens up a wide open topic even more. The fact that they could, they could if they wanted to have Valyria in this show. They, sh given what we know about the timeline, that shouldn't be. I don't. Shouldn't be probably. But the thing is, we we know. So the oldest date we have for Valyria is basically five thousand years ago. We're told they won the wars with Gis, um, and we're told the Long Night was eight thousand years ago. But it, what if the Long Night was six thousand? And Valyria arose, you know, before they won those wars with Gis, right around six thousand. So this is when you go when you go five and six thousand, eight thousand years. It's close enough to fudge it. And if you're a TV producer and you want to make Valyria, then you're going to make Valyria. So, yeah. and as if 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 I get to take like thirty more seconds, uh, I will just you know a lot of people that know my theories know that I think the Hammer of the Waters event was actually a moon meteor impact legend. And so instead of happening 4,000 years before the Long Night, I think that the Hammer of the Waters actually fell at the time of the Long Night. And if the pact mm -hmm. was signed after the Hammer, like we're told, then that would put the pact right after the Long Night, which to me makes a lot of sense. And whether, that, whether or not that theory is true, the point is you can come up with plausible ideas that take events that are supposedly thousands of years apart and make, have them happening concurrently enough so that they're on the same show. I agree. You can just sort of mix them up, whatever you feel like doing. If if you like this part of the history, you like you don't like that part of the history, throw it away. It doesn't matter. Say like, oh no, that was twelve thousand years ago. Ha <laughs> ha. You the maesters were so wrong. Whatever, <laughs> whatever lines up the best for the story you want to tell. I like I said in the beginning, that's the biggest advantage. You can just go through the world of ice and fire and just pick whatever parts you like best. Throw it together however you want. It's it's all supposedly wrong anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. It's, it's so that's it's both uh, it's kind of a sword that cuts both ways because if they stick to what we know, well, that's probably pretty good. But if they do whatever they want, well, you know, maybe that gets a little out of control. Maybe they do some stuff that's kind of cheesy or not as interesting as it could be. But you know, that's just the pessimist in me, and and the uh, you know the I like to set my expectations kind of modestly so that you know I can have more fun when I'm surprised by the quality. Um, so y'all, you can certainly uh, ask questions if you have questions for us, we'll, we'll try to take them. We have a couple of questions we took in advance. Um, if you want to get noticed, there's always a super chat feature, but feel, do not feel obligated. Um, intent, intent. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, by the way, we might have, we may have Sean join us for a brief 
brief moment in this episode because it's his birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to the beard. Happy birthday, Sean. So if he gets out of bed, we'll see. Happy oh, we name day. I think we did. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the the pact. The pact is a good little important event. Little important event from the past that we don't have to bother with trying to figure out the dating. Like I said, but it's a pretty safe bet that something like this actually happened, um, because well, it's remembered and maybe the details of it are really screwed up maybe the details are vastly different than what we're told but it probably there's probably some truth to it and like a lot of it could be there could be multiple packs yeah Uh, like the uh, native americans and you know the colonialists where there was a bunch of little packs that were all similar that were collectively kind of broken and so maybe a couple thousand years from now the native americans that are still around would say that there was a pact that was broken Ah, mm. I see. That like, makes sense. Like the hundred kin- kingdoms of Westeros at the time. Maybe different kings were allies with the children. Actually, we know some of them were, like the war king. So, Or, or during God's grief, uh, you know, he, him being copacetic with the children, then his son warred on the children, and then his son was friends with them again and gave them back the Rainwood. So it sounds like a regional thing where it might fluctuate. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, Aziz. That's a great point because it's um, it never really made sense that an entire race and an entire other race would come to an agreement about something that everyone would be on board with, right? Doesn't that sound a little far-fetched? Like every single first miss, man yeah. and every single children was like, yes. Well, this is why I think that it makes sense that the pact would have happened right after the long night because the long night is this bottleneck. All the order and power structures would have been toppled. Uh, most of the people would have died. There's only a few people left. So maybe right after they won... The won the war for the dawn with the children's help they kind of all gathered on the battlefield and shook hands and made some deal that they then tried to enforce and that that was then the pact that that makes a lot of sense um also i want to real just for clarity point out the pact supposedly is according to you know known quote unquote known history the pact is the market demarcation for the end of the dawn age and the beginning of the age of heroes but again not certain at all, just what we're told. No, it's good to keep the official timeline in perspective as we throw out our own, you know. Yeah, and when George says he, it's not the story we we think we know, That this is one of the ways that can be interpreted, as in, oh, the dates are way different than what we're told. But it also could be that it's going to shatter a lot of misconceptions. Like, there were mm. dragons then, or because that's, that's another good subtopic, dragons, right? It's a perfect example of something that maybe doesn't belong, but maybe does, but we can be pretty sure they're going to be included because dragons, right? Game of Thrones, dragons, they're probably going to want to include that. They probably will be dragons. The caveat to that is that there wasn't really very much to do with dragons in like the first three seasons of Game of Thrones, and it was very popular with just little baby dragons doing almost nothing. So it's not entirely a sure thing, but I'd say it's one of those qualities that Game of Thrones attracts people to that... um, it's pretty likely they're going to want to repeat. What are some other things that you guys think, um, Ashea, Joe, and LML, what do you guys think are some other things that they're going to try to capture from Game of Thrones? Like things that made it popular that they're going to try to you know, keep going to try to keep that same energy or same interest going. Well, let me just get my big hat real quick. <laughs> um, Is it tinfoil? 
Uh, it's shiny and silver. Wow. This is my Betsy hat. This um, is a hat. I told you all of my costumes are an arm's length away. I've, I can go wig, antlers, demon horns. It's all right here. It's all hidden away like a maester's robes. Point is, under my hat, I have been keeping the topic of the Great Empire of the Dawn. So are we going to bust that out now, or are we going to hold off on that? Because that's really the big apple here. We could bring it up for sure. It's, I don't know, obviously we can't spend a ton of time on just the Great Empire of the Dawn, but I think we're, I certainly oh, planned I'm on sure us talking. I'm sure watched our videos. So. I certainly planned on us talking about it, so yeah. <laughs> so the idea is that they're going to have dragons, of course, because why would you not have dragons? Like, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're just, they're big and they're central and, They've already got the CGI down for them. So the thing is, they don't have to retcon Valyria into the Dawn Age in order to do that, because as Aziz and I have demonstrated, there's ample evidence that uh, dragon lords existed in Ashai, at the very least, and also that they probably came to Westeros because of the fused stone fortress that's sitting in Old Town underneath the High Tower, with the High Tower supposedly having been built in the Age of Heroes itself. And fused stone, as we know, can only be. Uh, created by dragon lords with dragon fire and sorcery. So the fact that there's this big few stone fortress sitting at Old Town, where we're told some of the very oldest, uh, pe you know, the first people came to Westeros there, and they might have even been settlers that came to Old Town before the first men. So this is definitely uh, strong. And of course, you know, we've got full videos about this on Westeros history uh, YouTube channel called Great Empire of the Dawn and Ashai. But point is, like right in Game of Thrones, it's laid out that dragons are from Ashai and that possibly uh, before Valyria, the dragon lords came from Ashai and taught Valyria how to tame their dragons. So if we're going to be in the Dawn Age and this show is talking about blotty, blotty, blotty from the East, <laughs> then that to me sounds like dragon lords from Ashai, which we associate with the Great Empire of the Dawn, but it doesn't really matter. The point is they can create their own dragon lord culture that's different from Valyria in Ashai and, and show them coming to Westeros before the long night. Because the whole mm. point of all of our theories about this is, if Azor High and Lightbringer have anything to do with the last hero in Dragonsteel and or Dawn and House Dane, then we need Azor High, this legend from the East, to somehow have an intersection with Westeros. And that is essentially what I think they're gonna show us. To, to build off that just a little bit, I wanna say that one of the things that Game of Thrones does really well that isn't necessarily a big thing of other shows, it certainly happens, they're not unique, is multiple locations. You've got plot lines going in a lot of spots. And this this type, what you're saying there with some sort of, including an Azor High stuff, showing stuff from the East, could be a loose parallel to Daenerys being in Essos for a long time and, and only being indirectly related to everybody else. So I think that's um, a really good uh, thing to point out because those, those are something, that's the thing that made Game of Thrones big in the first place, or helped anyway. And uh, the, the whole point of, of, if I could just put a coda on that, the advantage of going with um, an Ashai dragon culture is that Valeria is very awful. They're basically Nazis with dragons. They enslaved everyone they came across, and they just basically fed them into these mines where you probably didn't live more than a year or so. I mean, they were using blood magic to mate humans and animals. There's basically, it's basically all bad. So it'd be a pretty friggin' dark show to show these like really pale skinned white people enslaving everyone. I mean, I don't just can see why they might choose not to go that direction and instead invent something that is more of a golden age Atlantis type of a thing and show it leading up to the fall. Yeah. So 
that that's a cool idea. I wonder. I mean, they could certainly, you know, maybe try to rehabilitate Valyria a little bit. <laughs> try to not include that's some, true. Of that, some of that really <laughs> that's bad true. stuff. They can they can try. Yeah, I think well, one of the best yeah. things about Grand Empire Dawn that they could show actually on the screen is they they haven't really shown us like a real fantasy style like throne room and palace. Like even the Red Keep is pretty dour. Um, the Pyramid of Marines probably as close as it gets, although the book version is much more ornate. Like the Great Empire of Dawn supposedly covered, I think, almost all of Essos, most of the known world. Imagine the kind of resources that you could use to build like a capital city with, and they could have somebody walking through that and really showing off the kind of high fantasy that um, that Game of Thrones comes from. That'd be awesome. Yeah, so. think think Rivendell a little bit, you know. I would oh, say yeah. uh, like Gondor at its height or Numenor, like yeah. something that well, amazing. Right. Sure. If you want to be more specific. I do. I want to be more specific. <laughs> um, so there's a few other pieces of setting that are kind of important. Like Valyria, like we said, is who knows whether they'll decide to include it. They can if they want to. Maybe strictly speaking, it shouldn't be included. I but... want to bring up just that people in the chat keep bringing up the thigh forts, which was my first question, actually. Okay. When I saw the announcement is just because that's something that's intrigued me since we first saw it, you know, in the, in the lands of ice and fire map, just what mm. is this, this thing, it clearly is meant to hearken to the wall and what, and the yes. North of Westeros. It's just, it seems like it has to be connected in some way to that sort of thing. And so with what we're talking about in terms of seeing the fight on the Eastern continent, as well as the fight on Westeros, that would be perfect. I hope we see it. So. It sets, it's, it's almost like this. It's it's almost like the world of Ice and Fire was aimed at setting up a show like this. There's, there's so many things in the world of Ice and Fire that just like, well, they can do this. They can do this. This is already in the world of Ice and Fire. It's uh, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I think the the five forts certainly something we talked about in the Great Empire of the Dawn episode. But Ashea, you're totally right. That is absolutely like, how can you not think of the Wall when you think of the five forts? And you have it's like the opposite. You have this like this dry, deserty land instead of this cold, and, and, frigid thing. We have all and these to, stories about it that are also different but similar. They're, yeah, you know, they're the same. They're different enough to make it Eastern and different, but they're the same. Myth. The basic elements are there. The the details are different. Yeah. Right. And this is kind of the story that I see sitting on the table for them. Is everybody comes to Westeros? Like the first men come to Westeros. The Ironborn ancestors coming to Westeros these dragon people come into Westeros. Not all on the same day, uh, but we're going to see a snapshot in time where some of these people are just getting there or they've only been there for a few hundred years. Maybe the first men are there and the Ironborn are just establishing themselves and then here come the dragon lords. This is basically going to be a culture clash story with different cultures coming to Westeros and mixing with Children of the Forest and Giants and others, and they can really stir the pot in some interesting ways, I think. And it'll be more barbarous and wild, you know, more of like a Wild West feel at times. Uh, but the interesting thing to me is going to be these cultures crashing together. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That's a great segue into some other notes I have here, which is what we can talk about what Westeros might be like. And that's a little difficult in some ways, but we can more easily say, suggest things that definitely won't be there. Right, things that almost certainly, no matter how much you play with the timeline, there's not going to be a King's Road. 
right? That's just definitely made during the Targaryen era by Jaehaerys and Septon Barth and these other people. So there's no way there's a big King's Road. And there's no way the Eyrie exists. And there's no way King's Landing exists. And they shouldn't have steel weaponry. That's a little less certain. They could, that's something they could goof with if they want to. But I think they'll probably stick with bronze and, and, and iron uh, but Which I love. I love the idea of no steel. Um, you get rid of the steel plate and you don't have knights anymore. And it's all ring mail and more spears, close quarters fighting. I think this is really interesting. I've actually thought of writing a fantasy novel that's exactly that, no steel. That's really cool. And, and, and it, it makes me think of, well, okay, this is a mythical period. Even though it's a fantasy mythical period, I, I started to, my mind started to race with hey, what other TV shows have tried to cover mythical periods? And there's not many, but one of the notable exceptions is the Trojan War has been covered a lot of mm. times, and that's a mythical period, a semi-mythical period. Of course, when people first started writing you know, myths about the Trojan War, it was considered fully mythical. Now, in, you know, in the last 100 and 150 years, we know that the Trojan War really did happen. It's just a lot of the details are blown out of proportion, which is exactly a, a perfect point to make here it's over thousands of years the real details get lost and it's, it's like that giant game of telephone and everything gets exaggerated over time and um so i think about things like that there's that troy the show troy fall of the city which you know it, it included the gods which i hadn't seen the gods included in in a, a tale of the iliad before and well, I don't think we're going to have gods in this version either because of George's stance on gods. But we will, like LML said, have a lot of different cultures clashing. And even that's going to even happen in Westeros. Because this is these cultures aren't united. That was sort of the point of me bringing up how there's no King's Road and there's no Seven Kingdoms. It's Joe mentioned the term Hundred Kingdoms or Thousand Kingdoms. I forget which is the more appropriate term. But the point is... Hundred. Yeah, the point, I think Hundred. Yeah, the point is that you know, after the long night, or maybe even before it, but certainly after, there would have been fracturing of all the social order and all these families and dynasties would have just been destroyed by this this long night that, that lasted for however long it actually lasted, they say, a generation. Probably not really that long, but whatever. Point is, it would, everything, all these things were forgotten and left out, and so new families would emerge, new houses would emerge, and there's no unity at this early stage. So like LML said, it's, it's, it's savage, and there's not a lot of connectivity. Forget culture class. You have just probably people just fighting their neighbors, you know, and then culture class on top of that. So a lot of things to say there. Uh, especially with the Trojan War example, I mean, there was the 2004 movie written by uh, David Benioff where they went the <laughs> other way. Yeah. where they took uh, the historical thing and that might be what they're playing with the show. And he attempted to explain all the myths with essentially real things. Like the uh, the twist with Achilles was that he got shot with a whole bunch of arrows, but they're pulling them all out of your body out of respect. And the only one they left in was the one in the heel. It's like, oh, that he must have a weak heel or something weird like that. And <laughs> you could do that with this show too. It doesn't have to, I mean, we're talking about like of the amazing like fantasy magical elements, but you could do a pretty good Age of Heroes and ignore most of it if you really wanted to. In the example of Troy, I mean, some parts of that movie aren't great, to be honest. <laughs> I agree. But some parts but, are pretty good. I like like the thing you, the example you gave with the arrow. I thought that was really clever. With the so, Achilles' yeah, death. That's yeah. a way it could go. And, uh, and what you're talking about, what's missing from this time, I mean, like the Starks, the Lannisters, <laughs> Baratheons, like almost all the houses we know, almost all of them are gone or not, they don't exist even at this point. So, um, 
I mean, the the story is the Starks like kill everyone to to gain control of the North, and Land the Clever takes over Casterly Rock. There's a lot of um, origin building they can do that would be very very interesting on a character level, especially with just how there's no <laughs> there's no overall government. So it would, somebody going in between these kingdoms would have like an awesome adventurer's tale. That's a good point. Um, One thing that I think we really got to think about is the fact that um, the arm of Dorne uh, might not have been broken at this time. <laughs> uh, and, and so that's just a whole different thing that they've got to deal with. Uh, they got to, you know, walk across it. Or someone built a land bridge, or in your case, a hand bridge to connect the <laughs> oh! two. Oh! <laughs> couldn't let that one slip by. Uh, you are always on top of it, my friend. <laughs> we got a super chat from uh, the commander of Ashea's Queen's Guard. That would be uh, Hema Helminth. Thanks very much there, uh, Tommy, from Wonderful. Chicago. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, let's see. Okay, so let's keep going. Uh, another big thing. Another, like, sub large subtopic. We got another one. Oh, I guess we'll... Oh, uh... it's just from Karen Sita, who <laughs> says, Come on, people, there is only half of the people watching that push the like button. Push the damn like button, Push man. it! Well, push it now thank you for that karen we appreciate you helping us uh, get more likes um yeah it's actually funny how much those matter likes really do get things more visible and they're more important than they used to be because youtube has changed its algorithm for how they show people videos a lot of people didn't even get the notification when we went live and that's that's just kind of normal these days and uh that's why you see people pushing their their live streams more on Twitter and Facebook because the notifications don't work the way they used to. What you should get is a brain chip implanted, and then you'll get <laughs> notifications instantly right into your skull. Yes, so and, look and, into that. Yes, please do, do your research. <laughs> That's a little uh, green jeans. <laughs> a little mark of the beast to share, but okay. <laughs> so I guess what I was going to say is that another major thing that doesn't have to be introduced, but is an important topic, is the Andals. From according to what history we quote-unquote know, the Andals come many, many, many thousands of years after the pact, you know, way, way after the Long Night, etc. They're almost more recent than not, even though they wouldn't, they're not recent by any means. Just com relatively, you could say that. But that's another piece of the timeline they could really play with if they wanted to, uh, Andalos being a, a long-standing nation that may have been pushed by the Valyrians and their superior technology and their dragons. If you take a look at the, the religion of the Seven, a lot of it seems to be directly the opposite to Valyrian ideals. The order for setting aside that knights don't usually behave like they're supposed to, as Sandor Clegane could tell you, you're supposed to protect the weak when you're a knight. But Valyria is like the weak. Oh, we enslave them. And, uh, you know, then you have things like incest. The Valyrians are like, yeah, sure, incest. Let's do it. And the Seven are like, that's horrible. This is the worst thing ever. It's abomination. So you can see how these things are kind of opposed. And those, and those cultures were probably next to each other, you know, bordered each other, um, depending on the timeline and, and when these nations actually existed. So what do you guys think about the Andals? Do you think we'll see them or hear of them at least? Or do you think they'll be like a, a major part of the story or maybe something, something else entirely? I think there's no reason we can't see them. Uh, the history sort of depicts it as almost one large wave, but that's almost certainly how it didn't happen. I mean, there may have been like one big push coming from the Western Valyrians that sent the rest of them through, but I mean, they're so close to the Eastern coast of Westeros 
there they must there must have been some that got on boats or walked across the arm of Dorne, and it, the the way the history sets it up that like they just kind of all show up. I mean, like, come on, there's no way that's true. They're an interesting story. You could start seeing the faith of the seven. You could see like iron swords and things like that, and especially if they started kick, uh, kickstarted maybe the um, the war in the south against the children of the uh, the children of the forest. Because the if the pact is before it, then it seems like most of the first men were on board. So then, if they really want conflict with the children in terms of a showrunner's perspective, maybe you introduce some Andals, not all of them. Like as like a religious thing. A perfect example would be that supposedly Land the Clever was an Andal adventure. So that would be a perfect segue to have an Andal um, without having like a whole bunch of them. Um, Land Andal. Landal. <laughs> I actually had a thought about Lan. They say he's from the east, and you're supposed to think the Andals, but uh, if he has the golden hair of the Lannisters, why does he could come from Valera? He could come from the Great Empire of the Dawn. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason he can't come, come from so much further east than we really think. And he could be like the eyes that we're following if it's a multi POV style show and see the things in Essos that we normally wouldn't. I have a, I have a land. Has a good pitch for this. Ooh. I have a land pitch here. Um, land. Okay, good because the Andals are hella boring. Let's talk about <laughs> land. Well, my pitch is that it's a, it's a bit of a hot take, and it's, it's hashtag no man's land, um, <laughs> which, which is the idea that land could be female. Land that, that would be clever, right? You, the uh, other land idea. the clever, or that land. And this isn't my own idea. I've kind of borrowed the the idea. I saw this. I don't remember when I saw this, but someone once looked at the word Lannister and noticed that if you add an S in the middle, it's Lan's sister. So Ooh. you could evil, easily have. That's why they're not the Casterleys. They're the Lannisters. Lan Lannister. It could easily be what we're told. Lan. Some guy named Lan the Clever did his thing and formed House Lannister. But. Land's sister. It's hard to once you hear that idea. It's definitely striking and like, yeah. huh? As soon as he's told me about the set here, I was like, man, I'm bummed that you brought that up to me because they're not going to do it. I really don't think they will. <laughs> but I love the idea so much on so many levels because you have this parallel to a Tyrion character who can like get themselves out of any scrap. Get you know, just totally convince people. Very persuasive and witty and all that. And it's a female. You have a female and like you have this idea like all the different things that land you know tried and we don't know what we'll actually see but if it was just i mean if they were they really were just intelligent and tricky and managed to get it that way it would be really interesting um so i love the idea of it but the idea of the character being clever it just allows you to do something like that like if she... yeah if they're, they're, yeah their strength isn't in fighting or even though a woman could do that but their strength is in other things and so it just Hmm. Yeah, I love the idea. I real, but again, I he said that. I'm like, they're not going to do that. <laughs> but it, it's I a mean, perfect example of how like myths and how history, you know, warps and changes over time. So I think it would be a great way to do it. I'd like to see it. I think it works well with what we know about Lannister women too, like Cersei and um, and Rohane Weber, who eventually became a, a Lannister. Yeah. And uh, what's her name? Uh, what's Tywin's sister's name? Joanne. Oh, sister. Oh, Gemma, Jenna. Gemma. Like, the Lannister women are badasses most of the time. I mean, Cersei's a badass in a very awful way, but they have some of the stronger women characters in yeah. history. But Plus I could see how that would work. Yeah, like we Michelle have that Johanna, Lannister, I'm Johanna Lannister yeah. as well, who obviously, you know, 
fought the Ironborn and all that. Yeah, Joanna. Yeah, Johanna, not not Tywin's not Joanna, cousin Joanna. wife. But other, <laughs> although Joanna, that Joanna was also pretty formidable in her own way. Um, so I, I really like talking about this and this 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 gets this whole concept of the ancient bloodlines that become what we know now. But with the Age of Heroes. We get no, to play around. I just want to bring this up. Sorry. Sure. Mary points out that in Dying of the Light, there's a story where a founder of the civilization was a woman, and then it was rewritten. Holy crap! I and just reread Dying of the Light, and, yeah, I, and I, I forgot so about that, that. That's a great call because we pointed out and other things, and as I was reminded of even more at um, Con of Thrones, there's a lot of ideas for characters and for you know world building that George just reuses makes sense Dying of the Light isn't his most successful work and he really likes like an archetype or something he's going to use it again that is really true and there's certainly a lot of things from Dying of the Light that that reappear in the Song of Ice and Fire so, yeah, Dying of the Light was written in 1978 call. For, for those not aware, so that makes me more because again, George did have some involve is having some involvement in like the pilot creation, yes, and, and all that. So that does make me more uh, hopeful. That's a female showrunner too. Yeah, which that, is that, which like is nice. again that if he brings it, he could bring it up to her and be like, well, if you want to do this, you could do this, and she's more likely to be down with that. James, wait, 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 wait. I know I'm, this is all about the woman with the monkey's tail. <laughs> yeah, what if that's a land? Could be. <laughs> it was a tiger's tail. I mean, a lion's tail, not a tiger's tail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone in the chat brought up, or actually, it was still Mary. Mary uh, adding on to her thought, talking about a highly patriarchal society that rewrites history to exclude women, and that, and that's certainly not just an idea from George. That is a thing in real history all the time. There's a real, there's a real history often excludes women, partly because most of the real history is written by men and men know men better than they know women that's not i mean it's it doesn't mean it's not sexist but it is just how it worked out and we have to correct for that because we know that there were a lot more important women who didn't have their stories written so why not show that here why not you know it doesn't have to be the story doesn't have to be about that but yeah, well, that's having what, that as a major the, element would be would be great sorry Aziz, i was just going to say it's one of the whole reasons of having it not in recent westeros it's because then you're not chained down to like feudalism and patriarchy and all that stuff that's been done a thousand times by going back 10,000 years. They may have done that so that they could do be a little more free, maybe show a matriarchal society. Or, you I guys know, need to stop talking. You guys are going to get a whole lot of people's hopes up, mine included. <laughs> it's not going to be that. Be real. It's just not going to be. It's going to be even more savage. Like we have quotes from Bruce Bolton where he talks about it being a savage time for savage men. And we have talked about like how it's the darkest hour the longest the long night like it's i don't think it's going to be some more enlightened place where women have more power i just don't oh yeah probably not but, well, well i would know. love it i would love it but david just, just i mean just, lol just like it's not gonna think... happen we're not getting that show i don't think we're gonna see that widespread but i think if we get a lot of locations we could see that yeah like no, a small version it. of that, you know. Well, look, I, I'll, until, be, I will be pleasantly surprised if anything happens in that respect, but I'm not setting my expectations Well, too the thing high. is, like, in real history, there are a lot of ancient matriarchal societies. And, I, are, and there are, of, but we just haven't seen it really, like, yeah. on the show yet. So oh, I, I agree. Just yeah, not you're get, right. I guess that, that's all I mean. Is you're that, right to not get your hopes up. I should never I'll be very pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I hope, so look, look, look. In, in, in sports, in football especially, uh, the most fun time to talk sports is right before the season starts. No, every team is zero and zero. Every team thinks they can win the Super Bowl, or at least most of them that aren't really terrible. And everybody is optimistic. And that's where we are right now. Like, until the first episode starts rolling and disappointing us scene by scene, right now is this golden 
innocent yeah. time where we can speculate and think of all the amazing things that we would do if we were in charge of the show. And then we can begin uh -huh. making negative podcasts after the show comes out <laughs> and disappoints us all. There you but go. We, fine. Got, we got a $5 super chat from Mary uh, who pointed that great thing out. And she said, for keeping it real about representation. Thanks, uh, but we also got some other diff uh, different comments where people brought up like Lang goddesses and uh, stuff like that. And I wanted to bring up, obviously, like we do have like the Sarnori and we have cult. We do have lots of cultures in the East that like uh, we see it in the world of ice and fire. There are cultures where women are ruling. Yeah. I just don't think that we're going to see it in yeah, the like, show. Even with, and, and other and... people. Yeah, exactly. And even though other people point out like Jane Goldman is, you know, the creator, the showrunner producing all that i'll believe it when i see the casting that's the point you said they all like when Fair they enough. start gonna... rolling for me it's the casting casting announcements casting when i start what I, yeah. that'll do it for yeah. me if they start casting like eastern cultures like if they do some awesome great empire of the dawn stuff they're not just white then i'll get my hopes up for sure and they could still disappoint me but uh yeah i'm expecting it to be a lot more of the same of what game of thrones is yeah i well, think i i would guess that it's going to be a little better because of the female showrunner but i don't know that we can go much more than that yeah i would set my expectations low just like you but we'll see we can we can hope for better if um, they do go full great empire of the dawn i mean the story is the am amethyst empress gets stabbed by her brother so <laughs> you would have an empire with a woman in control so if they follow go. that even a little sure. bit, uh, did one. you say uh, Amethyst Empress? <laughs> oh, that was, that's that was, I have uh, photographic evidence of the Amethyst Empress. You were really uh, quick yeah. on the draw there. And like her Amethyst Empress is like that's what I want out of it. I want a bit. I just I just want Elodia. She she, she should be our Amethyst Empress. That's it. <laughs> she's my, she's my dream one. There you go. No, but Do truly, we have casting news about her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sh you gotta keep. Oh, hold on. I gotta put my hat back on now. You gotta end the screen you share. For this? Well, you gotta no. It's this is the big hat for when you're uh, keeping something under sure, your hat. Sure. Uh, 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 but now you let it out, so <laughs> confirmed. Oh, look, right, do we have an outline or something? Or we do. Yeah, we can maybe try to get back to this outline. <laughs> okay, so one other thing I wanted to talk about is we've talked about Andal. Let's talk a little bit about First Men. We haven't really touched on the White Walkers yet, but this is this, this is kind of a good way to get into that. And I, I also want to see Todrick Stark. Todrick Stark is, Todrick. Is, is, is all is all part of this next part. For context: if, so, anyone, if any of you have been seeing Todrick Stark mentioned on social media and the like lately, but weren't at Con of Thrones or were at Con of Thrones and just missed things, Todrick Stark is the Stark that we see gets stabbed through the chest and turned into you know first White Walker, the Night's King. That's that's that. They came up with a name with him at Con of Thrones at one of the great debates that Storm of Spoilers organized. And that's uh, right. Todd lives. Shout out and, to Stormer Spoilers. Yeah. Apparently, they shouted this live stream out. So yep. yeah, we'll uh, we'll give them a shout out back. <laughs> Good group. And there's been many Todd lives and Todrick Stark shirts released, including the weekend of the con. There was already yeah. a shirt in existence. That's so. how. See, this is Todrick Shark Stark. Todrick Shark. <laughs> oh, that's a new I didn't actually, Todrick Shark. I, I almost said Todrick Shark. That's our tinfoil. <laughs> really not. <laughs> Uh, this is the, Todrick Stark puts us to shame. He already has a shirt about him, and we we've been people have been asking History of Westeros to make shirts for years, and Todrick got one in like 24 hours, and we're still just like, eh. so yeah. Anyway, Todrick is better than better at merchandising than we are, but um, he uh, there, there's a lot of th what this brings up is the possibility of. Something that's talked about a lot, even in current Westerosi history, which is these bloodlines and ancient blood and 
George's genetics working differently to allow these traits to linger for thousands of years and for, you know, it's, it's nothing like Mendelian genetics, nothing like real world genetics. So we should be thinking about a lot of these crossbreeding things. We should be thinking about children breeding with humans and children and humans breeding with the White Walkers and giants, both of those, and, and maybe even giants breeding with White Walkers. <laughs> we, I made that oh, joke on Twitter idea. and Michael Klarfeld, um, who of course made our video intro and, and our maps, maps and everything, the very talented active graphic designer who's amazing. And is doing more regions right more now. More regions, that's right. Make he, sure you check him out at claradox.de or go to his Facebook page, Claradox. K-L-A-R-A-D-O-X. Claradox, that's right. That's his website. You can get all the stuff that, um, all the maps and all everything the there. Stuff. All the stuff. It's a portal to everything. <laughs> it's, the, it's the hub of the internet. Now, Michael uh, get, had a great response to my question on Twitter. He's like, hey, we've heard of humans and giants. We've heard of humans and white walkers, but what about white walkers and giants? And Michael posted a photo of Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man <laughs> from Ghostbusters as an example of what happens when you mix giants with white walkers. And I have to agree, that is hard evidence right there. So apparently... Ghostbusters is, is, Go, is Game of Thrones canon now. That's um, well, always breaking been. news. It's not breaking news <laughs> at all, Z's. Where have you been? <laughs> okay, breaking news to me. Sorry, I'm behind the times again. I mean, you've seen in the show, they don't have ghost in it at all. They busted him real well. <laughs> it's clearly Ghostbusters. Well, here's my question about that theory. Do we know the others have genitals? Can this even happen? <laughs> they have icy cocks like his dar. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that they don't have their own babies, but we also seem to know that they just age up very quickly. We also don't know that there are any women. The, yeah. All the, the one. White Walkers have been portrayed as female. I think they're like dragons. Female. I think they're gender fluid. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I don't know if this is a show thing or something George gave them, but it seems like all the didn't are, are any of the children male that we see? They all seem female, no, and all the, all, female. all the children. Yeah, yeah. Are female there's some in the, bo in the, in the books are... we've looked at it, and there's some you just can't say for sure. You but yeah, in the books it's more it's ambiguous. Just, yeah. It's more ambiguous, but yeah, in the show definitely they're only female. There's only a couple we see. Period. I mean, frankly, in the show we've hardly seen the walkers at all. I mean, yeah, in the books, the, sorry, yeah. the books we've hardly seen them at all. The opposite, yeah. There's like more of them in the prologue than there are combined. Yeah, we've seen more children of the forest in the books, and we've seen more others in the show yeah. now this this leads us to another great question that was posed to us but something that we actually had already planned to talk about but this is this is a good time to bring it up and um i'll give a shout out to the asker as well which is um harmless armory um this is a great question which is do we think the children had factions amongst them which is kind of builds on the topic of the pact being all the children and all the first men agreed to this? That doesn't sound very reasonable, does it? Well, it doesn't because it's not reasonable. So the idea would be that there's factions among the children, just like there are factions amongst humanity. There'd be factions amongst families and houses or regions, etc. So why would the children be different? They, there, there would be maybe children who wanted to make the White Walkers and unleash them on humanity, potentially, and those who were against it, and that would explain quite a lot, wouldn't it? Because we've already got children helping humans against humanity. But we also have this episode of Game of Thrones where they quite clearly showed the children making White Walkers mm -hmm. to use against humanity. So those two things seemingly contradict each other unless we have this idea of differing factions within the children, which explains it perfectly. 
So. Uh, yeah, as someone, Alicia Kingston points out, there's a theory that there's two factions of children in the forest. When the pact was signed, the females signed a pact to stop the fighting, and the males went on to become the others. A couple things with that. One is that we'd, we'd see differently in the show, whether you want to disregard the show as being canon or not, that's an arguable point. But we see the children create it, so that's an arguable point. Two is, um, I don't know about you guys, but the idea of them... I, I know it's magic, but, like, the idea of the tiny children who look so differently turning into the others seems like such a bigger stretch than humans becoming others to me. They look like um, humans. But like it's, it's human magic, size. so, yeah. like, you know, your line is wherever you decide to draw it in the sand. To me, for some, for some reason, becoming taller and skin color, <laughs> I, I don't know, it, it seems harder to me than, I mean, we have lots of other crazy things. We have glamours, like... It seems it, like it's easily possible, but for me, I don't think it's likely. I thought the crazier part would just be that all the males and all the females all decide what to do based yeah. on gender lines. Like, that's insane. <laughs> that's <laughs> also very true. Gender lines. Just, they just, <laughs> let, they're like, okay, all we're all... All the females are like, all right, so we're just going to go ahead. We're going <laughs> to sit around and make nice, and the guys are all, like, warlike. It's like, what? <laughs> Why would that happen? <laughs> that's hilarious. Um... We got two super chats right around then. Um, one from San Rixian who says you're all doing amazing with the little Aww. tilt of Mark that it's Thank hard you, to Sandra. connotate, but it is. Thank you, Sanri. Um, and then we got another one from Kathy Stark. Who's the first Green Seer Supreme integrated into the Werewood Net, similar to Blood Raven? It's a good question. LML, yeah. do you have thoughts on that one? I don't have well, I mean Azora High. Uh, there's a ton of symbolism about uh, Nissa Nissa being a children of the forest woman or a hybrid or an elf woman, something along those lines. And I think that part of the whole reason that he chose her for whatever blood magic thing that he did is because it, it somehow ena enabled him to sort of break into the weird with that. And I got, you know, podcasts about that. But yeah, I think that uh, just like the, the reason, let's put it this way. There's a reason why Blood Raven is a Targaryen. And there's a reason why, even at the very beginning, before George knew that it was specifically Brendan Rivers Blood Raven, he knew that there was a dragon Targaryen person that was going to be a green seer. That idea, I think, is super important. I think that is one of the main ways that Azor High from the East with Lightbringer intersects with Westeros and the Starks is through his entrance into the Weirwood Net. And so we could see, maybe not specifically that, but we could definitely see the first green seers, uh, you know, going into the Weirwood Net. We could see people like Cold Hands, I guess, well, that's more book hand, but, you know, we could see all kinds of fun things. We could see some zombies, too. Give us some zombies. We oh gotta have God. zombies. Uh, and, idea, oh, go ahead, sorry. I was just gonna say, we were talking about Michael Clarfeld real quick, and so I want to give a shout out to, this is this is his uh, Sea Dragon, uh, Grey King Slays Naga picture, but I've also turned it into the header for Crow Foods Daughter's YouTube channel, The Disputed Lands. Shout out, shout out. They have, uh, she's Jealous got great theories. Out. Yeah, mm -hmm. she's got great mm -hmm. theories about the Ironborn and the Grey King and some very interesting Dawn Age stuff. She's basically fascinated by Ironborn mythology. So shout out to both Michael Klarfeld and Crow Foods Daughter. Absolutely. Crow Foods Daughter is amazing. Yeah, I, I watched her um, 
Valyrian Dragon Roads episode, and uh, that was pretty fresh, you know? Like, it's, it's yeah, hard I to... I, I thought of you, actually, when I watched that. Aziz. I was like, oh, I bet Aziz would like this. I thought of me, too. <laughs> In that, and what I mean by that is, why didn't I think of this? <laughs> so, definitely, uh, big props to her for that. It's, it's definitely... I wouldn't say it's really hard to come up with new ideas, but it is pretty hard to come up with new ideas these days there's certainly still new ideas coming out of the fandom even now but um would you say Aziz, it's, it's rare you wouldn't say it's really hard but you would say it is really hard <laughs> did i just say that speaking style that's an Aziz if i ever heard it yeah i'll just like just, it's it's a uh, wordy neutrality <laughs> <That's true. laughs> i just I'll wanted to answer real there. quick the greens here question um this is something I'm really looking forward to seeing from the show. I mean, uh, from the the, the spinoff, is characters like the War King and Gavin Greywolf. These the tales that we hear about the very first human skin changers that are going to war in the North. One of them could very easily be the first one after defeated by the Starks or whoever else they're working with to run to the children. And I think that actually shows uh, what you're talking about with the faction, the factioning of the children of the forest. There are different plans that we see throughout the Age of Heroes and the Dawn Age on how to stop them. I think that shows uh, clear faction about what to do. Some of them are like, well, we'll just break the neck and we'll break the arm of Dorne and that'll stop them. Other ones empower humans and give them their powers to fight on their behalf. And then finally we see the others, but clearly some were interested in fighting, some were interested in them, like drowning them with water, some were interested in creating a super weapon like the others. So if you're looking just for easy examples of how they were not on the same page. You just have to look at the actions we know. Some of them were warlike. Some of them tried to make peace. Yeah, I like that. It, it, it just, any any idea that they were all of one mind about something I think is pretty ridiculous. So I'm, I'm all for ideas of different factions and different ideas and different, you know, some of them believe this, some of them believe that. Just, just how human culture works. I mean, we shouldn't expect it to be an exact parallel, but, you know, the uh, the children are sort of parallels to native americans or nat especially especially native southern americans like um like yeah, uh, the yeah, aztecs they're the indigenous Mexica. people you know? yeah they're in, yeah exactly essentially we don't know where they you know well, i guess we there's hints that they maybe did come from essos originally which is you know when do indigenous peoples become indigenous <laughs> yeah what's what is truly indigenous mean? yeah <laughs> when you're really getting to the beginning Aziza, you and i talked about in the great empire of the dawn episode we talked about what does the term first men mean it's a term the Andals came up with to refer to everybody who was there before them, the yeah. first yeah. people that were there from their perspective. So we don't know how many cultures went yeah. into that mixing pot to become first men. You're right. It's and, a very Andal point of view, the whole concept of calling them first men. You're right. It's, very, it's a history written by the winners type of situation we've got with that. There's yeah, and, even, I forget who from the Vale. I think maybe the Royces. Uh, they so, no the from Goldtown. They called themselves like the Pure Kings or something like that when they were mm -hmm. first men in origin. So even among themselves, there were certain parts of the first men that were like, "We're the real ones. We're the ones that were here first. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. And and there's uh, another point um, that I think something else that we could see that's uh, really interesting, and that would be, um, you know, the possibility of you know. <laughs> Some sort of second moon in the sky, wandering too close to the sun, <laughs> cracking from the heat with a thousand thousand dragons poured forth, or maybe three. 
Uh, so that's always a risk. <laughs> yep, yep. At least I expect some additional clarity on all that, even if it's only to give us more detail on what waters that are still pretty muddy. But yeah, it's a golden opportunity. Golden... <laughs> Golden? Grolden? Did I say Grolden? Yeah, I think you did. Grolden? Well, that's how they pronounced it back then. Yeah. <laughs> Grold. They were interested in Grold and Silva. Uh, so... And of course, uh, shout out to Michael Clarfeld who did that anime. Yeah. <laughs> More Michael Clarfeld action. Excellent, excellent. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some of the uh, other possibilities that, um, like some of the mythical figures that we've discussed, let's, let's, let's talk about them a little bit and how they might be included um one mention we had earlier of the pact you mentioned that there might be multiple pacts well that's a rather than just one pact well that's a great segue into the idea that of a character like brandon the builder who d seems to have eight to twelve lifespans worth of work attributed to him if you know, and that might be putting it mildly. And given the popularity of the name Brandon in the Stark line too, it's really easy to see that that is quite likely multiple Brandons being given the same attribution. But this show could explain that. And they could just, it's, I guess it would be pretty easy to explain this one. Some of the other ones might be a little harder to explain, but how do you guys see this, like a Brandon, this Brandon the Builder type thing? How do you guys see that playing out? What are some ideas? Hmm. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, the thing I would personally like to see is I like I would like to see them rip off Duncan Egg liberally. I want to see like hmm. Bran as an egg figure with going around with some Stark or some giant guy or even somebody like Lan or Durin, someone like that. You could you can take any of the uh, mythological figures and make it sort of like a travel log for them hmm. as yeah. they go around through the different kingdoms. Bran meets different people, gets. Like he just sort of builds his reputation over time. I was thinking about this in terms Maybe of way he builds his reputation. Yeah, <laughs> builds his reputation. I was thinking about this in terms of the young Aragorn series that Amazon is putting on. Uh, I think you could do a very similar thing, especially if you want to do time skips, like we see from Dunkin' Egg. Like one season, like you get a five-year gap in between, or like a ten-year gap, and then they, and that's how you could cover a lot of history in one go. And you could have one actor. I mean, not one actor, but you could have one character doing all these things, but maybe just like starting them. Like how Aegon the Conqueror started the Red Keep, but Magor finished it. Maybe he just started a, a whole bunch of things and gave out plans. Things like that could happen. Yeah, he was like the one guy who knew how to do stuff and was telling yeah. everybody how to do it. <laughs> a lot of people in the chat are asking about Dawn and the Danes and Starfall. And, of course, we're told that they go back to the Age of Heroes, so they are absolutely fair game. And, of course, Aziz and I have speculated that the Danes are refugees from the Great Empire of the Dawn. And if they're going to do the whole Eastern Dragon Lords thing, then it makes sense that they would do the Danes and probably the High Towers and show that, like I said, we're going to see the potentially a culture clash where, you know, some Dragon Lords are coming in in the South and leaving some descendants and magic swords and building High Towers. And that's the other thing about the Brandon the Builder thing is I have to wonder, uh, did Brandon the Builder, and this is in book canon, we've speculated, did Brandon the Builder learn from the great empire of the dawn was his building that he did some sort of legacy of that knowledge we're not saying that he has to be a great empire of the dawn person uh but he could have learned you know like imagine the before the long night the great works were being created and then after during the long night everything is lost but maybe brand the builder is the only guy that retains a little bit of knowledge and so he's able to build some great structures right after the long night that are still standing today 
Hmm. And uh, you've speculated before that the Starks and Danes may be related. So that could be a way you get that in there. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Show some really ancient connections, some really ancient bloodlines that maybe wouldn't have a lot of relevance now, but would be really cool for for the fans. You know? well, it's all about the last hero, so. Since a lot of this might be um, kind of like fan service, like they can just drop in, uh, well, maybe not fan service is the right word, but you can drop in a lot of these legendary characters and small things for book fans, and that could just be not even like a major plot point, but it could be something fun for people like us who actually who obsess over this kind of thing. Yeah, the main thing is that we're just sort of showing the palette that they have to mm. paint with. We have no idea which colors they will use to paint their portrait, but we are sort of basically showing all these things that they have to choose from. They could do different kinds of stories. They could use all these different elements. It'll be fun to see what they do. That's actually a great, uh, another good segue to how they might present all this. Like what kind of show will it be? I think it's easy to imagine a Game of Thrones style show sort of in the same vein of what they're doing, but it's not a sure thing. One suggestion I've seen out there that I think has some, a lot of merit to it, not necessarily going to happen, but I could see how they might want to do this, is to do it kind of anthology style. Yeah, I was, I first personally think that's my preference, but I don't think it's very likely at all now, given George's blog post. Yeah. I think that exactly points against the idea. You don't just decide, you don't just create a pile and be like, okay, we're going to do an anthology style. You don't do that. Well, there's a couple um, of ways an anthology could go. Well, like that's if it's what a... I was going to get into right now. Cool. Um, trying to... Anyways, it's just that, uh, so you can take it, it's fine. Well, I was just going to say that there's multiple ways the anthology can be said. I totally agree with you that the they won't. It's super unlikely that they'll do a one episode anthology style, but they might do a one season. Anthology yeah, I just style. don't think that's likely at this point. At okay. the point that they're if they if they're already doing the pilot order and they haven't ironed that out, I don't think they're doing that for this. And there's other reasons why I don't think it works. It's my preference because I think it's very contrived to have all of these figures that you want to have in this show, to have them exist at the same time period. I, I'd have to suspend some disbelief for that myself. That's fine. That's what I think they're going to have to do. And there's other characters we just won't see because they're not going to contrive it that much. But the anthology yeah. style allows you to work with that. Um, and there's lots of examples of good anthologies that have worked um, and miniseries and things like that. But I also think that there are issues in that, for example, if you're doing anthology style where you're following multiple time periods, well, they're kind of just, you know, excuse uh, me, they're blowing their load all, you know, when they have like all these different like stories to tell if they like skip around in time periods and do like one season, one episode, mm. they've set the they've set the stage for, say, um, the Great Empire of the Dawn. They do like one where they focus more on that stuff. Then if they want to do a Great Empire of the Dawn show or like delve into it deeper, they've already, you know, have a bunch of stuff that they're they're held to basically. So that's one of the reasons I don't think it works very hmm. well for them to jump around for the first one. I think it works better when they've already like built sets for all, like a bunch of different things hmm. and different shows. Then when they do an anthology style, they're very well set up, I think. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, They've done production design. They, they have money, the aesthetic yeah. of the, the show built. That's mm. a very good point. Yeah. Um, actually, that and that leads me to something else, which is if the show is going to be called, well, if the show is not, it's not going to be called The Long Night probably, but if, it's, if that's a central theme of it, that creates a bit of a challenge in terms of filming. Because we know that was a big challenge for season eight that, that's being filmed now or has been filmed, whatever, um, is that there's all these scenes that take place at night. And that yeah. is just really hard for yeah. filming in general because <laughs> it's the long night, right? I guess that's what we're going to get in season eight. So 
that's the perfect point. However, they handle that. It might yeah. be how they handle this. My bigger question, more than even the anthology style, is uh, the framework that they'll use, the narrative style that they'll use for this yeah. show. Because we, in the very description we have for it, they say it's not the story you think we know. You that you oh it says we're offline. Hmm? It's just oh, okay. Just no. I, I, anyway, some other people seem to have issues. I just wanted to make sure that uh, we're getting different comments in the chat for me it says that we're streaming well so i think it dropped into the red for a second down there. okay then anyways it seems fine other people have said that so um for me it's the the framework which is they said it's not the story you think you know well as book fans there's a lot of the story that we think we know but we also think we know that we don't know so there's that <laughs> but in terms of them directing it at you got your known knowns and your unknown <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then you're unknown, unknown, unknown. Did you just go full Rumsfeld on us? <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly what I did. And so basically, if they have their casual show fans, what do they know? That's what I want to know is, you know, basically, what do they think casual Game of Thrones show only fans know about this uh, time period, about this history? And if they don't think they know that history sufficiently, how are they going to present that to us so that we or tricked, you know, or whatever you want to call it, so that we're misled, so that we are surprised, all of those things. And one idea that I've seen floated a lot that I like the idea of, there's lots of examples of it, is just like a, a you know, narrated framework with old Nan telling stories to the Stark kids or any sort of historical uh, narrator that's basically telling us this is the history. And then we go in and we see the episode and we're like, this is not the history that we're seeing. And you're like wondering what part of that is true. I feel like for the, if they, I feel like they could do it that way, but they could also release extra material, like the histories and lore, basically. I think that they could do it, you know, as extra material. I definitely, sense. I definitely think they should do the old Nan uh, narrator thing, like a princess bride, at least at the beginning, you know, where That'd she's awesome. telling the story. That would be great. That would be great. <clears throat> Super chat but, from uh, Rebea, Lady of Waves, who says she's got to get going. So I want to make sure she gets a thanks from us for that. Appreciate that. And then she that. said, make sure Joe gets in a few. And I just don't know my emoji hieroglyphics. <laughs> it's like a luck bump time. Irish wristwatch. Oh. <laughs> I didn't get it at first either, but because you asked, I started thinking about it. I was it. thinking like, of weed first. So okay, I was well, like, totally yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to make it a weed thing too. Okay, so what do I have to get in? A wristwatch? Okay, what? so yeah. there's a recurring uh, thing on our on our show here where we have guests say Irish wristwatch five times fast. So <laughs> you're you're up. <laughs> <clears throat> nope. <laughs> 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 Come on. Come on. Five times fast? How fast are we talking? Uh, as, fast as fast as you, as you can. can. It's it's funnier if you don't do it well. So. Oh, good. Then I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be perfect. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. Irish wrist... No. Irish wristwatch. <laughs> Irish wristwatch. Nope. Can't do yep, it. Yep. It's I got hard. All L's in there. there are no L's in there. Uh, yep. There are. <laughs> Irish list. Yeah, that was Perfect. good. Very well done. Very well. Uh, we got a comment here from Viseria Sunbreaker where she asks if we think they could do like an American horror style, a horror story style where they bring previous actors back, you know, uh, which is where each season they, they have a main cast of characters and they put them in different roles and different setups. Sometimes they add new people into it. Um, 
I don't think it's likely uh, for sure, but I think that is a really interesting conceit, a different, uh, an interesting style that they have. And again, any anthology thing like that, I, I just think is more likely after they have a few more, sh- a few shows under their belt. Maybe this one and one other, and then they, I think they're more likely to do some more fresh and unique things. Maybe we'll see his wig. I'll <laughs> <laughs> bring that back. <laughs> so check this out. What I think that they will do, Ashea, you, you address one of the main difficulties, which is, you know, how do we have, you know, however many things they choose to have happening at once, how do they do it and make it not seem contrived? So there's a couple interesting things to address with that, ideas that I had at least. So one is that you don't have everybody arriving at once. Like let's say the first men have been in Westeros, you know, for a couple hundred years. So they're, they're kind of almost like colonialists that have, have starting to set root a little bit, but they're still not well established. And then you could have the ironborn prowling around on the islands, kind of the same way that they do in the show now. And then the third wheel is really the dragon people coming in. They're the sort of the big variable, like the comet coming in to strike everything and, and sort of just blow it apart and catalyze it uh, like an explosion of star seeds and, and moon meteors. Uh, uh, so uh, Iris wristwatch, Iris wristwatch, Iris wristwatch, Iris wristwatch, Iris wristwatch. Oh! That's pretty good. Wow. Look at he you. has practice. That's how it's done. Uh, in any case, the point is, there's actually a lot of room to echo. Okay, but wait, the you, got, you have to say the one in the chat when you're done with this, though. Toy boat, toy boat, toy no, boat. No, not toy that boat, one. Boat. I slit the sheet. Oh. What is I, it? I slit the sheet. The sheet I slit upon the slitted sheet I sit. I'm not going to say that 10 times. <laughs> very bad TV, but that was well performed by Aziz. Uh, so, and I grew up doing the toy boat thing, so that's, that's easy for me. Uh, but the point is, there's a lot of. Uh, ways they can echo the current show, actually, because the uh, a shy Dragonlord plot or Valyria Dragonlord plot, whichever they choose, will essentially be like Danny's Essos plot, which you is separate at first, but you can see that it's going to eventually get to Westeros and intersect. Only in this case, it'll probably intersect a lot earlier because the show should really start with the shy people starting to come to Westeros, at least at the end of the first season or something like that. So I don't think it'll be too contrived. Basically, they're not like, it's not like the, the Ashai ships and the First Men ships are bumping up against each other in the <laughs> harbor or something, you know. They don't have to like do that. Fast and the Furious in like <laughs> Westeros. Boat races, yeah. Boat races. But uh, that's, that's what I w- would see is, again, that culture clash thing and a little bit of an echo of the way that Danny's plot line ran parallel to Westeros and then eventually they combined. That's essentially what they'll do again. And that's a nice way to have that that echo, that note of familiarity for people, sort of. That's a good one. Well said. I, I, I kind of thought of um, during the release, they said something about how we're going to see the fall of the Golden Age into the Long Night. And I think the best way to do that would be sort of um, mirroring what they did with Danny a little bit, where you, um, you have some characters over in the East, some characters over in the West, and they just sort of start off um, in a similar way. They start off from like sort of like poor conditions, and they eventually rise up. It doesn't have to be the mythological characters; it could be people that are experiencing the fall of this world into the long night, like the Great Empire of the Dawn falling apart as the, as it all starts to come around. Um, I think that's an interesting way to do it, and you and you could probably do that within a time frame that makes sense. 
like you like maybe it starts in the same way where how Robert dies in the show. Maybe that you start with the amethyst amethyst empress dying, and somehow and those ripples somehow go all the way across the world. Especially if there's colonies of Grimpire of the Dawn people already there, maybe Grimpire. the news gets to them. Grimpire, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> that's a that's a great idea. Yeah, like have a little prologue type thing that shows like the how what some sort of important magical event. Because one suggestion we had in our that I'm not sure which of you wrote this in our document, our pre preparation document. I just know it wasn't me. That it's important for the show to be character driven because that is despite the fact that season eight is going to be super epic with dragons and white walkers and there's a lot of fantasy elements it's still this is still a character driven show and i think that's like still that pretty like okay there's still and I, I would agree with that that it's still pretty likely that they would start want to develop characters before they get too crazy with the fantasy elements but they could have a fantasy kind of prologue thing and then mm. kind of dial it back to characters and then build up from there just kind of show where we're headed you know and um I don't know. That strikes me as as a as a maybe more possible than it should, or more likely than it should. Maybe it's I, I th it also works for uh, budgetary reasons. Like I think a lot of people are expecting mm. we're going to go into this this spinoff and we're going to have like loot train battle style <laughs> money pouring into every episode. There's no way they're going to do that. They're going to want to see if it takes off first. So it would be logical if they started off if they imitated the early seasons of Game of Thrones, where we see the lower fantasy parts and eventually it ramps up to the point, especially because. I think us as fans, because of who we are, we're very interested in ancient history and, and seeing like all these myths acted out. But that's not really what HBO makes its money on with the show, with Game of Thrones. They trade heavily on characters. Yep, and that's another reason why uh, those, those shows that skip around are a little more challenging because they're, they're harder to build the character connections. And, and Game of Thrones really thrived on those actors uh, and their casting. So uh, along those lines, Mary R.H. in the chat, uh, Maester Mary says, uh, here's a bad idea for you. Weirwood, West, uh, Weirwood Westworld style okay. time travel. Just Wereworld. If you were going to jump around through time, you could use a green seer and the Weirwoods as a device. Uh, you know, could be Brand. Could be Brand is looking back through history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. brand. Brand. More brand. We need more oh, Isaac. A brand for all seasons. He just keeps saying chaos is a ladder at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> so I have a I have a segue and something fun here all at the same time. I want to talk, or I want us all to talk about some of the creatures that are gonna probably exist in the setting, at least in Westeros, that aren't that we haven't talked about. Of course. I don't mean children of the forest or giants. You mean like those... great lions. Exactly. I mean like I great lions. Mind, so I'm and saying it. Dire now. wolves. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I want to see. I want big And kitties. enormous unicorn goats from Skagos. No, I don't care. Ooh. Big kitties. That's all I want. Aurochs. We need aurochs. Yes, big, huge aurochs. Now, at Con of Thrones 2017, not this most recent one, there was an event, a panel, that Ashea did with some other people that involved... It was it was myself, Sean, and Rares. Okay, where that in, in, and you guys did... Well, you, you should pick the story up. Yeah, I up. should pick it up. You know better um, than I do. I did Westerosi Beasts and Where to Find Them. It wasn't just... That was just the name that they came up with. It was obviously not just Westeros, whatever. Obviously a play on Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them from Harry Potter. Anyways, and so... We just talked about some of the fantastical and not so fantastical beasts, but in doing that, we also 
I came up with a, a series of lists of clusters of four animals, and one of each four was fake, was not a real beast from the series. And Sean was on it, and he's our, you know, unsullied show-only listener. Uh, yeah, show-only watcher. And so I asked him, and he got some of them right, some of them wrong. The audience got to, you know, generally weigh in as well. So that was a fun. I like those sort of little games of just just messing with Sean, just in general. <laughs> just like he doesn't know what's what. He's so clueless. I asked him it's what was it a... like. One of them was from like World of Warcraft or like, and they were all. Some of them I was like, I don't know how you think these are, are real, Sean. But some of the other ones are pretty weird. Oh, hey, Sean, Sean, what's up, everybody? He dancing Sean. Beard himself. Yeah, it's Sean's birthday. Are we gonna sing? Everyone in the chat is singing. <laughs> For him. Isn't there a copyright thing about singing happy birthday? Is there? I don't know. I don't know. I think so. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I don't believe in copyrights. Pay the iron price. We're here. Yeah. Pay the iron price for our music. was this other thing we it's wanted terrible. to bring up while we have a moment. This is the... Okay. You know, there's a lot of cool things in our house, so I'm hesitant to say this to is the coolest now. thing I'm in our house, mad. but it's among. We had to get. Whoa! Yeah. Among our chief weapons include <laughs> a great choice, a great choice. Yeah, surprise! And a ruthless efficiency, and an ironborn shield. <laughs> an ironborn shield. It looks really good on camera. We are addicted now. We want many more, and you can find these. This site, uh, Forged Foam, like Forged Ed. Uh, they're on Twitter and they have a website and all that. They were at the con at Con of Thrones and so they were selling different sigils and immediately I saw the Greyjoy one and like Aziz and I were walking through the dealer's room and I'm like, Aziz, you want that, right? He was like, yeah, but I don't, I, I don't know how we could bring it back. And the guy here is just talking about it and he's like, we can ship it to you for free if you give us a shout out on your channel. You know, so we're like, well, sold. It's a great no. deal. <laughs> sold, exactly. Because, like, how, what are we going to, like, fly back on the airplane with a shield? <laughs> Maybe we can find a guy with gold bars that'll ship it to us for free <laughs> if we give him a shout out. Uh, so I can, open I can picture on my channel and shout him out and get a free shield. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I hope so. No, it wasn't a free shield. I can picture shield, a Shea shipping. on the airplane with yeah. the shield, like, sorry, excuse me. We had a really, <laughs> I had a really funny conversation with the, the, Hold the on, God sorry. Show. I just had this vision of you on the airplane with a shield, and on the far end of the airplane is Nick. From Ice yeah. and Fire Con. Yeah. <laughs> With Ready a spoon. to fight, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's Con of Thrones. I was talking to one of the Jon Snow cosplayers who was saying he can't go to cons that he can't drive to because his armor, it doesn't fold up. Um, and it's so heavy that he can't just, like, he can't bring it easily when he travels on a plane. Not just heavy, but it's heavy, big and bulky. It's like carrying bulky. a person yeah, onto it's the like, plane exactly. with Exactly, he can't do it. Like, it's just not possible easily, and he has all this other stuff he has to bring, so he just has to drive to cons. But in talking about it, we were like, you can just wear it while you go through the airport then. If you don't want to carry it, just wear it through. Just wear so, like, it to... We had this, like, image, all of us, of Jon Snow, like, at the... At the, uh, the security checkpoint, like just like just imagine seeing some guy so cosplay. Happens every time. And he like has to take a short sword Sir, out. Sir, are you are like, you wearing a belt? <laughs> anyway, slow. Do you have any belts? Hey, Sean. Sean, so uh, say happy birthday to JoJo Lady Dane because you share a birthday with her apparently. All right, JoJo Lady Dane, happy birthday. Oh, very cool. Oh, now we have a birthday. That's cool. 
we have the birthday equivalent of the Spider-Man gift pointing at each other now. <laughs> I, uh, I'm worried about interrupting too much. I have all no. kinds of clever things to say, but I don't no, want to like, take away. over. Uh... No, five minutes. We're go for we're it. I don't know if there's certain clever. Specifically, obviously, we're talking about the Age of Heroes spinoff. So okay, right. Yeah, and I was going to say. Go ahead. If it's not related to that, well, then I guess go ahead anyways. But I hope it's at least interesting. <laughs> Usually, uh, I wouldn't interrupt a podcast like this, especially when I don't. I don't feel like I'm like versed enough to like have too much to say about this. You but know? it's your birthday, and, uh, right? And usually I don't want for much of my birthday. But I did figure out one thing, maybe a couple things I'd like for my birthday this year. I want a. You want Steven Stark to have to watch all of this from right now? He said in the super chat, "Hi guys, have to catch this from the start later." All you want <laughs> on your birthday is for that to not have been the case. He's gonna get to this in an hour or two. <laughs> it's too late. What I want is conclusive definitive determination of exactly what the next spin-off is going to be about. You guys have that for me? No. No, yeah. what's the point of this whole thing? Oh. I don't know what you mean by conclusive. <laughs> it's going to be all Garth Greenhand, nothing but that. Him and his kids. <laughs> again, conclusive, it's about the age of heroes. That isn't very conclusive. No, though, I say de de definitive and exactly. Yes, Not just no. conclusive. But. We only know... <laughs> Get back to me. The rough time period, but we don't know specific characters even that are going to... And there's a lot of characters that existed during the Age of Heroes, but not necessarily during the same time period, but is TV. Do, let, tell history. me this. Do you think that in the, the spinoff, the prequel spinoff, maybe we'll finally find out who Jon Snow's mother is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jon Snow's parents were actually 10,000 years old. We have some questions for you, Sean, for people who want your opinion as a show watcher. Oh, okay. guys, I'm having, want... a really, I'm having a really big technical glitch. My oh, screen really? is, is stuck on Joe, and it won't change. Oh, that's a big glitch. What's wrong with that? Do you have it clicked? <laughs> on? I, I think you probably have it clicked on Joe yourself. I do, that's the thing, is I don't. I'm, I'm, I think you know how it works. I'm, Your Hangouts is telling you who to watch, and it's this right here. I don't know. I've, well, it's, not, the, it's, it's not like that for our viewers. I can see that. Okay, as long as the you. viewers aren't being subjected to this, then <laughs> I can bear the load. Uh, Carry on. telling us we're not popping up for some reason. Yeah, that's know. been happening when you guys speak. Uh, but it, either, either way, it hasn't been stuck on Joe, which is what... Uh, LML was saying, but yes, I've had to manually, which is why I haven't been talking as much. I've had to manually uh, switch it. It's not doing it. Yeah, like halfway um, through the episode, that started happening. It was working in the first half. Huh. Yeah, it was working in the first half, exactly. And All right, now I know what I want for my birthday. No yeah. technical difficulties on any podcast <laughs> ever. Uh, yeah, anyway. Something reasonable, man. Uh, what was I asking you? Oh, yeah, people asked you, Sean, do you want ice spiders as big as hounds, and do you want dragons? Do I want what as big as hounds? Ice spiders. Ice spiders. Is, of course I want ice spiders as big as hounds. Okay, well, do you want it more yeah. than you want dragons? Honestly, I think so. Okay. I know that might be controversial, but, you know, okay. dragons are uh, commonplace. You know, like they've yeah. almost been spoiled. They're, They're supposed the to be place. these unique, rare creatures. They're no longer a, a creatures. meal for, for, yeah. for kings. They're just a meal But for I've never seen too. ice spiders, man. That'd be freaking awesome. Mm. Um, you just, of, you, you how, just wait, alienated wait. every single arachnophobe in our chat. <laughs> they are mad at you. Uh, how, how big are the ice spiders? As big as hounds, which isn't very Thank big you. when you think of dire wolves. They, they could Unless be, we're talking Sandor. Are chihuahuas it's, hounds? Are, like Dotsons. <laughs> look, really look, that's big for spiders, okay? Yeah, a spider that big would creep. Who would not be creeped out by a spider? That that's big? like a giant crab at that point. 
bite your head off. <laughs> yes, let me talk to you about the symbolism of spider crabs. Oh, no, actually, no. Sean, you go ahead. It'll be more interesting. <laughs> I don't know about that. The symbolism of spider crabs is pretty it's, interesting. It's not that interesting. He went on for about three days at my mentions. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. Um, I... Do you have any other questions for us, for the viewers? Not off the top of my head. I used up all my cleverness that quick. That wow, was that was quick. <laughs> You're not that clever. Uh, I, I've said this before, and I, I think it's unlikely, at least right off the bat, but I, what I honestly want from a Game of Thrones spinoff, and it's what I want from a, I don't know if spinoff's the right word, but a Star Wars franchise or whatever, it's just a straight drama. I don't care if there's never a sword <laughs> or a dragon or a yeah. laser blast or a lightsaber. I want something like... The Americans, or yeah, Better when, Call when Saul, we did, we did just call, set in a Game of Thrones great world. great debate panel last year, you weren't at it, yeah. but I remember I was telling you about what the, the pitches were, and one person wanted just like an American-style uh, spinoff, a prequel, that's just about the, the immediate years after Ned adopting Jon Snow. It's this like cold front in, in his own home of him. Yeah. Like, conflicted with cat and them like keeping the secret from each other and just not from each other she's not doing anything but you know the idea of just like inner internal internal family drama yeah so i was like wow that's a really unique and interesting pitch and i think they even could see the thing is i think they're unlikely to make something like that at least anytime soon because it's just not going to have the flashiness it's just not going to get cabillions of people watching it and sell cabillions of dollars of merchandise how many do you think it'll get maybe like a jabillion no, not Ooh, even. That's a big number. How many is a jabillion? <laughs> How are you talking? Is it jabillion? Yeah. Jabillion's less than cabillion. Just, it's just one notch down. It's still <laughs> a really big number. <laughs> I mean, what Sean's asking for is not that unreasonable. I mean, Jane Goldman in her past, I think a lot of people know her for her fantasy and her X-Men stuff, but she's done Kingsman and Kick-Ass. Those are not fantasy stories. So she, it's definitely but in her warehouse. But they're still action. They're still they're pretty action, flashy action you know, things, you know. She, she, I think she's very much like known. I mean, like her work has by and large been on the flashier side. They've been, they've had, they haven't been straight dramas. So the closest thing would be Stardust, mm. which is the Neil Gaiman adaptation, and that was fantasy. And it, I, I, I think it's fine. I, nothing. There's something she's done that I like decently. The, the top of the list for me would be, I guess, be Kickass, and so some of gotta... which I've been weirdly disappointed in. Like I like some of X Men First Class a lot, and hated some other parts of it pretty bitterly so i but i, I haven't seen the woman in black that's the one that i expect that's a horror one. yeah that's horror that so one. i expect that one to be a little more a little uh, there's lots of different kinds of horror is it more actiony horror or is it more like it's a, a, uh, a, a slow thriller. suspenseful it's a it's a ghost suspense movie okay so i don't you know it could go different ways i still i, I get the impression that's probably the closest to a straight drama like what you're talking about, which shows that she has done something a little. Yeah, I think that the, 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 what I would like from it <clears throat> would like when Grammys or Golden Globes or whatever, Grammys, and and not yeah. a bunch of technical for the, awards for, the music? for sound what, effect, for the music but awards? for like best actor, best director, best uh, and and you know a, a bigger scale actiony kind of thing. And, you know, Game of Thrones has won some awards as it yeah. is, but I think if you get three or four seasons of like big action-y, special effects, big budget kind of stuff, then maybe they can work one in. Maybe they can work something more low-key in. Yeah, or maybe I mean, that's what I was could... saying. You weren't in here for the beginning of it. I was saying, like, we were talking about anthologies and how oh, likely yeah. it is. And I was saying, I don't think it is likely at this point, but that I think once they get a few shows under their belt, 
that they're likely to, to finally be able to do stuff like that. Do a straight drama, do some anthology, do a comedy. That's what I really want. Honestly, more than a drama, which is what you want, Tron, that'd be good too. But I want just a straight comedy set in the Game of Thrones world. Love it. I was like, there's been so many pitches at different, like the spinoff panels. One of my favorite ones was, uh, was um, Where Do Horrors Go? The Golden Girls of Westeros. <laughs> Like love the idea of just anything that's just not a drama great uh, i think that they might get away with doing a more dramatic thing if you can imagine if they did this straight drama about the this dark drama of ned returning home with yeah. this bastard son how yeah. he has to face his wife and how she has to deal with how much she should or does or not doesn't love him and you know maybe other slights to ned's honor or troubles with his subordinates it maybe question his honor and you can imagine all this sort of like long slow panning cameras on someone who's just crestfallen at their failures or their inability to tell the truth about something you know but you can intersplice that with flashbacks to robert's rebellion you know to actiony mm -hmm. moments you know you could have all these other legendary heroic characters on the screen in a moment of battle, you could get some action worked in. You're still not going to have these fantastic dragons happening, I don't think. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a way to do that. But that would be a great way if you had an anthology series where, you know, a dozen or whatever episodes, two or three of them could be straight drama, two or three of them could be yeah. more lighthearted comedies, two or well, three of them could be like nonstop people aggressive might be action. Issues you know? with our stream. Oh, it's back, but they might see it's going in and out. Aziz, mm. will you pause the video? You really shouldn't be playing that on your on the laptop there. It's just using of internet um anyways it's back to green i just wanted to stop well in case they were cutting out but we're good no if we're doing ned coming yeah, no back from uh, from robert's rebellion that's just going to be there's already a lot of brooding on the show it's just going to go like this <laughs> just brooding out of control uh, uh, um anyway so that was a bit of a digression on other other concepts but you know what that's a good point though it does occur to me it might be interesting to have a character like oberon someone who would like have more passionate outspoken performances to win yeah. best actor instead of more slow brooding you know yeah it's uh <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if a look at all the best actor wins, who's been more charismatic, who's been more broody. I think there'd be, your mileage may vary. Like, I think of John Hamm and Mad Men, for example, like, yeah. he's charismatic, but broody. So it's in the middle. Anyways, that's another digression. I don't know how much they're, like, trying to be Emmy bait, you know, or whatever. That's something you know, I think about in, like, what they're doing is... You know that HBO, that Game of Thrones, puts out surveys. They they are easily logging what the fans are into. So they have data that says, well, Oberyn Martell was really popular, and but Doran as a whole was not. The Greyjoys aren't very popular, but they're more popular than the Aarons and stuff like that. And I feel like that's got to be relevant in crafting these new stories. Yeah, I was about to... No, go ahead, go ahead. I think you can see that in the latest seasons, how much they've played up the John and Danny will they, won't they. That's yeah. got to be some some sort of survey where they're like, there's not enough like romance anymore. And <laughs> we need like tension to it, not just people having problems with their relationships. They want to see people intersecting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> boat sex. <laughs> uh, I just want to see a weirwood boat. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I want to see the Grey King's weirwood boat. Which just is—is uh, is there no one in like "quote unquote" modern times? Yeah. Is there what a yes, known weirwood boat? No. Yeah. Well, I, no, kind of. Really. Yes. There's is there one like someone's using? Is someone sailing around? No, in one no, right? not that someone's no. using. There, okay. 
It's a long digression to talk to. I'll talk to you about it afterwards. Okay. I'll get my own personal podcast. Yeah, there's a there's a theory about these this wreckage that could. Well, it's not wreckage. There's theory that it could be the innards of a boat. Okay. That's a spinoff right there. Yeah. Actually, there are people that want to see just the Grey King story, which would be pretty brutal and heartbreaking. But it'd be all Ironborn. Yeah, it's not what people are gonna. Well, the whole point is that the underpinnings of the Grey King story is about uh, people coming from the sea, settling on the land, learning how to fish, establishing their culture. So you could use the broad strokes of that uh, to integrate the Ironborn into this kind of culture class story that I'm sort of hypothesizing about that probably won't happen. <laughs> oh, don't say that, buddy. They could do it. Oh, everybody's bringing me down. And everyone's like, no, it's not going to happen. There won't be dragons. Screw that. There will be I dragons. I mean, there could be dragons. I just don't think there they'll will be, be like, dragons. in the pilot or even the first season. I think they'll wait a while before they bring them back in. I don't think so. I think that we're going to see, right from the get-go, we're going to see Ancient is Shy on one hand and Primitive Westeros on the other hand, and we're going to see, boom. That's mm. what I thought for. I'm just going to want it until it doesn't happen. And You're just going to wish it. so hard. Yep. That's right. Um... Anyway, sorry, we are, I was not jumping on talking because our stream is doing very poorly in terms of the internet speed. Uh, the issue that we face when we do it at this hour, I think. It's so you figured you'd just let me go on. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, I mean, no one said anything about anything. I'm just, yeah. I just trying to say something now in case. Um, well, I did yeah. want to bring up the green men real quick. That's why I put on the antlers, actually. Um, I do, like we were talking about, you know, the children of the forest are short. And the, and the others are tall, and, and how does that work? Well, I've got elaborate tinfoil that the green men on the Isle of Faces are something in between humans and children of the forest, uh, where they, they're some sort of other elf race that are, that are tall. And uh, I won't go into it all or whatever, but, um, you know, the point is, we could see the sacred order of green men in the Isle of Faces. And it looks like the government's trying to uh, interfere with this message that I'm giving you, but that's all right. Things pretty like um it's just jumpy yeah like i said the kilobytes like it's going down to the hundreds when it's normally in the four thousands my thing says off air right now oh Oh, no and hang out it'll say that hang out i'm just i'm capturing what to explain what's happening we are in a hang google hangout and i am capturing that with obs and broadcasting that to youtube and so it's all going just fine through Hangouts, but through OBS, it's the stream is low. It's just like I had to okay. close something. Anyways, well, I like it's just this time it's going to be more activity online, just to how it is. Well, well, so. since it's being, I guess it's since it's being recorded, I, I really would like to see the Green Men. And I especially would like to see. I mean, we were joking about Todrick Stark, but if we actually saw the guy who interacts with the children and ma- and made that deal or captured or whatever, following him. From when he's a um, a child or a teenager until he gets to that rock, I think that would be a very interesting way of going, and not like a hero story that I think a lot of us are expecting from the mist. That wouldn't be Brand the Builder. That wouldn't be Land the Clever or Durin Durandin. God, I hate that name. Uh-huh. Uh, just following the Night King and his origin story would be that would be something I'll probably make executives sit up and make them order something, something they don't expect. I will say that, uh, you know, talking my different ideas, 
I think, show my skew from being a show viewer. I'm thinking about how to get more of the show characters. And I feel like on some level, HBO's got to, like, appeal to that, you know, for better or worse. But the more material is out there and the more time the fandom has to, to grow, I think the more they can get away with digging into storylines outside from what the show has covered. And the more willing people will be to, you know, trust that name brand of Game of Thrones, even if it's not Lannisters and Starks or whatever. I do kind of think they will and should start with action, even dragons, whatever they do, not just the next spin-off, but even the beginning of whatever it is. It's been a man, more years than I want to think about, but a long time ago, Kevin Smith wrote a screenplay to Superman that was being considered. And I think this is oh, before yeah. the, you know, this is like around 2000 or something. And um, by the way, if you ever saw Kevin Smith did the speaking tour and they made a DVD, even Kevin Smith is really good. He gives a lot of insights and the types of things that producers are trying to put together in Hollywood, how sometimes they're kind of disconnected with, with what fans really want. But uh, but Kevin Smith, I feel like, had, a, had a, a really good idea for how to do it. And I kind of see this in a lot of more modern movies. Is you even for a more serious drama or something that's going to take a lot of time to develop characters, start off with action. Get the audience immediately engaged. Start the first scene off with a dragon battle in the sky with flames and swords and yelling and raw, you know. And then let that be like something that's going to happen seven episodes later and we see what builds up to that. So yeah. people are immediately engaged with something exciting. And then you learn about what led up to that. Or maybe you see the fallout of that moment or whatever it is. I like things to be fundamentally focused more on characters. I care more about the action when I care about the characters involved. I want to learn, I want to be able to relate to their emotions. It's a little more difficult to me for me to relate to someone flying on a dragon than it is for me to relate to someone who's, I don't know, the father doesn't accept them or something like that. Not that how my do father relate? doesn't accept me, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> how, do you, how do you relate to a man like this? Oh boy. That's the question. Uh -huh. That's a horny yes. man. Yeah, it is. Here, this is right. one of this is a good Sernunos. and of course, this is what Gartha Green and uh, the Green Men are basically drawn from as far as European folklore. So, so I want to see dudes like this running around. The, to, to relate, honestly, I believe it would be very tough to relate to a character like that. And if you were going to make a story <laughs> about that character, you don't uh -huh. make it about them so much as the people around them, because those are the people you can relate to. If that makes any sense, you know? Yeah, no, the green men would be like the others are now or the children of the forest are. I mean, and they'd be on the margins. They'd be fantastical. And yeah, the main characters would be humans, I would assume. You might come to understand a character like that, but it'd be hard to relate to them. But you could surround that character with people that you could relate to. Are you saying my horns make me unrelatable, Sean? Is that what you're I, saying? I think you should have cut to you with the horn. Oh, you have them on still, anyway. They make you oh, intriguing, yeah. for sure. Intriguing? Like <laughs> really oh, related. yes. Wow. There's a lot you don't know about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to wrap this right. up in a second. So I, I'll, I guess I can get up and Zeus can take my spot or something. I'm just like... I'm just going to read through. I'll just read through the things we didn't quickly quick go run through things we didn't talk about yeah then i should for, get up anyways i we're just running out of time Ma to be clear the reason that we're actually wrapping it up is because i have to manually change the camera for each person who's talking it's not that's not how it works that's not how it worked for the first half so that is not good uh video it's hard to keep your speaking focus well i'm doing that and, and it's hard yeah. to like you guys are listening and like it's just not it's just on like david and lml's reactions to something as he nods like 
It's just awkward. So let's switch <laughs> to the disease, the and I won't have to deal with that now. Can you get through? Should I move? I have to move. You get. You guys could always try popping back out and into the stream, right? Or will that turn it off? I think that would turn it off. Shay knows better than me. If we were to exit and come back in, Shay, that would just turn everything down, right? I don't know if to hang out on air. Yeah, it's okay. I'll, I'll stop trying to give her advice. She knows more. Not, we don't need to worry about it too much. We'll just get through. Uh, we'll just get through uh, a couple things we didn't talk remember about, and we'll call it a day. Just remember to click when you can. Okay, so Merlings, everyone. Um, <laughs> of course, we got to talk about Merlings. Right? We got to have a Squisher spinoff. One uh, one idea we got from. A listener on Twitter who I definitely need to give him a uh, shout out here. His name is Randall Leonard, and he suggested Oily Blackstone, the series. Mm. <laughs> yes, I like the way this guy thinks. Yes, it's very good. But okay, so we, since we're out of time, or almost out of time, what I wanted to do is mention a bunch of the different figures and settings that are possible. I think that we we did a good, a pretty good job of bringing up a lot of different possibilities, but I want to reiterate that I really think that out of all the possibilities we've suggested, the only setting that I think is a real slam dunk is the North. Everything else is, well, they might just not go with that. They might just decide not to use blank or blank or blank, but we are gonna see the North. And like, that's, I think the strongest bet you can make. And that means we're, we very might well see things like the formation of the Night's Watch which could be spun a lot more politically. You know, the, think about this. Back in the day when the Night's Watch was a new idea, it might be seen as a power grab. Like, hey, I'm grabbing all these second and third sons from all these houses, these guys with claims. We shouldn't assume that the idea of the Night's Watch giving up their houses was part of the original idea. That might have come later. Maybe not just seen as a power grab, maybe it was a power grab. Yes, absolutely. Maybe it really was, and then it, over time it became something else. I mean, the 13th Lord Commander is supposedly Knight's King, you know, depending on which canon. But, you know, that's uh, maybe the earlier Lord Commanders, several of them were power grabby types. So a lot of possibilities there. Um, the Wildlings, the original Wildlings wouldn't be Wildlings. They would be just farther north guys. I don't know. They wouldn't be called Wildlings, though. <laughs> uh, the Night Fort. We've got to call a council with the farther north guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We might see, like, the Night Fort get built or already exist or something like that. Um, we might see the Horn of Joraman, you know. Um, we might see uh, the Grey King, or like we said, I guess you guys talked about the boat, the Werewood boat action, or the, the boat, or the Naga's Bones, or whatever that is. We could maybe get more of a clue as to whatever that is, is. Um, the Reach, we've hardly talked about the Reach at all, and that's where probably the most named legendary figures come from. We got Garth Greenhand, of course, it's a major one, but... Under Garth Greenhand, you've got Floris the Fox and Rowan Goldtree and Rose of Red Lake and Owen Oakenshield and the Peaks. Who, and fought, the who fought the Selkies? Owen Oakenshield fought the Selkies. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> he surely did. That Selkie fighting dude that he was. Uh, the Green Men. Die easy, squishers. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And the, and the fish, uh, the the Isle of Faces, right? What do we have? You know, we might see the Green Men or. Um, King Uthor of the High Tower, the early formation of the Citadel, um, the beginnings of uh, Old Gis, or um, we've already talked about House Dane. Uh, what about the early Darklings, or what was going on in the Vale way back then? Because there was no Eerie and, and all this other stuff. We have a lot of connections between the North, like the Dreadfort and the Red Fort. Dreadfort, Red Fort. Yeah. The Vale's, 
the veil scene will just be the people trying to plant the weirwood over and over. Every scene, they're trying to plant it, and it just never works. So just be a gag bit. They just keep crying. You're like, why won't the tree grow? Damn it! <laughs> that could be a whole series right there, just growing weirwoods. <laughs> what would that be? Uh, there's got to be a sitcom out there we can we can pillage the name of. Growing pains. One. Growing pains. <laughs> Or maybe it's like uh, Bob Ross style, just painting weirwoods. <laughs> Perfect. We could see the early Skagosi. We could see Barrowton and the Barrow Kings. We could see which is in you know, the Thousand Years War, which was uh, a lesser known conflict between the Starks and the Barrow Kings. Um, obviously, we know who won that war. Uh, you know, I don't want to distract too much, especially because I feel like you have several things you want to run through here, Aziz. But it is a thought that keeps stirring in my head. Everything we talk about. Is there anything in this past time period that's going to have any female leads? Is there any women for any time periods? Any, you should have been in here uh... oh, yeah, definitely. episode from the beginning, Sean. I should have. <laughs> yeah. We did actually have some good ideas for that. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up, okay. but yes, we did cover we it. Yeah. it. Um, or we tried to. There's other possibilities that I'm sure we missed because there are so many possibilities. I, think we have to, I feel like we covered not even a third of what we wanted to cover. Like There's a huge, oh, a huge list of things I wanted to talk about. I feel bad that we didn't talk about and we're not going to. What's that you say? Oh, we're going to have to do a follow-up okay. podcast? <laughs> well, 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 certainly what that tells Part us two. is, yeah, when we get, I think we'll have to reconvene when there's more detail because, I mean, right now, it's a good idea. I heard, okay, I like this, is, this is a joke I saw the other day that isn't about this show, but it applies, which is that it, there's a reboot planned for the movie Arachnophobia. And <laughs> what I heard about it was that they don't have a director, a script, or actors. So that just means they have a bunch of damn spiders. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess in this case, what we have is just, I don't know, a bunch of legendary figures. And we do have spiders here, too. We have the ice spiders as big as hounds. So, hey, Boris? Yeah. But um Varus still alive. That's one. The immortal Varus. <laughs> I was like, well, that would be a surprise. <laughs> so He keeps swimming, you know. Yeah. Other possibilities are like the early days of the Blackwood Bracken um confrontation. Um and their giant tree of the, the of war House for Blackwood. the teeth. Yeah, the war for the yeah. teeth. Or heck, the Blackwoods <laughs> used to be in the north. The Blackwood supposedly. I really the want to see would, that one. <laughs> that would be so good. How old are the, the seven? The the religion of the seven. The seven come from the Andal, so we shouldn't we should they they shouldn't necessarily exist at all unless we see their homeland, which would be in the east. So they they did exist then, but not in Westeros. How when did they come to Westeros? Um, About. Uh, it's not clear. Four thousand or two thousand years ago. Or, or, or more or less. <laughs> yeah, it's a matter of some debate, indeed. I don't know. Whatever Septon Barth said, that's when they came over. <laughs> and there's like the the Boltons, the early Bolton kings were called the Red Kings. There's all sorts of skin changer, flaying kind of business they could get into. There's uh, Florian the Fool and Shara the Witch Queen, which of course makes you think of Lord of the Rings, Witch Queen, Witch King, blah, blah. Green, uh, there's the the um, the Green King of the God's Eye. Yeah, Green <laughs> King of the God's Eye, and this this reference from the World of Ice and Fire where comes out of nowhere. We know nothing about him. There's a King of the God's Eye. What? Yeah, Heron Hollows and the if War that King. Is, uh, what they call uh, hashtag symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag symbolism. Well, maybe we'll get some hashtag symbolism in this show as well. Children of the Forest being sending hundreds of wolves to destroy hundreds of Andals. Well, if we see Andals, maybe we'll see something like that. Yeah. Or maybe we'll see them sent to kill regular first men. But, um, okay, so one last thing. We had a couple of questions we didn't get to that I want to get to. Oh, I'm, I, I've got a one last thing before you do the questions. Okay, go for and it. And build, just to build on what you said, 
Um, so we talked about Children of the Forest, and we talked about the War King and Skin Changers uh, sending ravens and wolves in battle. Um, mm -hmm. What I want to see is the interaction of humans and Skin Changer magic as Definitely. it happened in the Age of Heroes, because we had the Marsh King, who was a Green Seer King, and I think there's a lot of other clues, especially in the Vermeer prologue, that Skin Changers and just naturally, some of them will tend to set themselves up as petty tyrants because of the, the magic ability that they have. It's just human nature. Uh, and so I think we could definitely see human greenseer kings that are really nasty and vicious. And so you can see the whole war king versus the Starks kind of a thing going on. I and mean, that could re really be fun. You can see why the Starks would be kind of the good guys in that sort of conflict. But you could also see how they would tell the story of the Starks acquiring that like gene you know we don't know how, how that they works. got it the story is really dark they stole their women and their i mean their wives and their sisters and killed all the men i don't want to see that that sounds horrible <laughs> yeah really dark huh like maybe off screen we'll do that off screen it's black and white day black and white day here <laughs> mr westeros <laughs> so um a question from lady mage the scholar is that are Azor Ahai and Last Year the same person? Now, I don't know if we need to fully answer that question. We can't exactly fully answer that question. But I think that what's relevant here is that the show could take that question on and present us with that information. That may be, rather than trying to answer that question, I think maybe we can suggest that the show will, or might, tackle that topic very well, or at least try to tackle that topic. Is, is that something the rest of you guys see as um, not unlikely? I think we sort of touched on it a little bit earlier in the episode, but maybe we didn't fully flesh it out. I think that's definitely, I think that's almost certainly to be a core aspect of the show that they'll keep you guessing about who it is in the same way they do now where you have Stannis pop up. It's like, oh, it's not actually him. Danny versus John, all these other characters where they all fit whatever, whatever we're talking about because we know the history from the show we're watching now. But they can they can play with that for as many seasons as they want. The same yeah, way they'll, they now. they'll do it for like where the main character goes on for eight episodes, and then they're like somebody's like, "Ah, oh, we'll have to call you Brandon," and everyone's like, "Oh, <laughs> oh my god!" <laughs> they'll figure out a weird way to call him Brandon. Like you will be Brandon. The dude's been <laughs> right. He's been a lonely brick builder the whole time. Like, and you're just wondering, like, why is he keep putting? He's always got to build everything. And they're like, oh, it's Brandon. Okay, that guy's really good at building. Maybe, uh, maybe he needs a name. They'll have five different people who are good at building, and we won't know <laughs> which one will be good at building. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brandon, and this is my brother Brandon, and my other brother Brandon, and my other brother Brandon, and my other oh other. G'day, Bruce. Hello, other Bruce. brother. Uh-oh. Oh, brother from uh, another other? or I think one thing they'll definitely play with is like from uh, Braveheart when William Wallace is introduced to people and they're like, you can't be William Wallace. He shoots like thunderbolts from his butt or something like that. <laughs> and so like all the names that Azor Ahai, the last hero, gets, I, I, they're, they're going to do a scene like that. They have to. That's a great idea. <laughs> Everyone's going to give him a different name, and he's not going to answer to him. It's going to be like a joke, but eventually it's not a joke, and it becomes real. That's awesome. Okay, so one last question, then we'll call it a day. This is from Rebea, Lady of Waves, Captain of the Iron Shadow Cat. How, this is another good question that, that touches on how the show might be made. How should we be reading the stories and characters from the Age of Heroes? Are they myths that we can use to tie into the current story through symbolism, or are they indeed true history, albeit with murky details? I'm mostly asking this question because even though I'm super stoked about the new series, I'm a little worried about how it'll work into a Song of Ice and Fire canon. 
I'll start off by saying that I am worried. I think it will be more Game of Thronesy style, which isn't a bad thing. Although it's maybe not it's certainly not what a lot of us want. It's just you know it's maybe a step down from what we want. But I think it'll still be really good. But um, what do you guys think? Well, I think that uh, the very the most important elements of the Long Night and the War for the Dawn that George cares about for book canon should be spelled out in the Winds of Winter and a Dream for Spring. Uh, so everything beyond that, we'll have to wonder how much of whatever we see on the show is intended to be book canon. Uh, but I don't think it'll be too big a deal because uh, the last two books will tell us how the Long Night started and how you defeat the others and what the last hero did and all that stuff. So It's a good, it's a good point because we'll, we'll actually see it play out in the books, like you say. So we'll, we'll, you're right, we'll have answers that we don't have now. Um, and some of those answers might come before this show even hits, if it ever even hits. It might not get beyond the pilot stage. Not to be a downer, but that's a distinct possibility. So, yeah, Joe, what do you think? Um, how to read them. Are they going to be true? Um, that's something that George plays with a ton in the world of Ice and Fire. He gives you counterexamples of everything, where it's like this thing that, you, that everyone says is a myth. It's actually true, especially with the others, how they show up in the prologue. So... I think I echo what uh, LMO is saying here, that the main points will probably be accurate to what George thinks, but I, that this is a big part of why they probably got this pitch, is they probably said, Jane Goldman, they probably said to her, you can just make up whatever you want, use this stuff like how you need to to make a good story, but don't worry about holding the rest of the story to whatever George thinks. And I, I think this is kind of how it will go. And I'm not even sure George knows the real truth of, any, of all of these stories. Yeah, I think that's one of the benefits to creating scenarios in your own story where no one's supposed to know. Is he doesn't have to bother thinking right, what exactly. they are. It's not that he knows and isn't telling us. Well, he might. But in a lot of cases, he just wrote it as mysterious and then he doesn't have to think up an answer but he, now he's going all the time to, yeah now he's gonna have the end dying is a perfect example where probably didn't know what most of those meant when he wrote it now it all makes sense but that's kind of his style i i tend to disagree with that a little oh. bit i think he plans ahead more than he lets on uh and more than people think especially because uh symbolism is so uh not repetitive but it it's paralleled in so many scenes that, uh, you know, he's got this, like, Leanna has always been represented by the Blue Rose. The mm -hmm. Blue Rose is intrinsic to the way George thinks about Leanna. And and so on and so forth with every character. So yeah. I think with things like the dreams that are foreshadowing future events, he may not know how he was going to write the Red Wedding, but he knew Rob was going to die at a feast. That's I think and, I, I think we actually you know, agree. Yeah, I, we agree on that, I think, because that, you made you brought up the point earlier, the same thing, which was... Um, talking about how there's, he didn't know that the Three-Eyed Raven, Three-Eyed Crow, would be Blood Raven, but he knew it was going to be someone with Targaryen blood that had a rich history. So I, that's kind of the same thing I mean, is that George may not have figured out the details to are there, you know, the Long Night um, specifically. He has some ideas in mind, but uh, he left himself room to figure out the details later. That's maybe a, a better yeah, way to put it. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Sean, you had a thought? I had a couple thoughts. <clears throat> One was something that we brought up before the idea that um aside from even game of thrones or george's world in the real world there is ostensibly you know a true real history right but then there's also the history that we read about in our our school books the known home, history right yeah. but then there's another history that we read a book in books that we don't get at school and there's another history that's read about by 
you know, if talking about American history, for example, people in Russia might be reading a different book. And I read and that all book. of them, huh? I read that. Book. You read that book, yeah. <laughs> uh, and all of them are going to be, you know, different perspectives or tellings or slices of the real history. You can almost look at Game of Thrones as the same way that there is like this real, you know, within this fantasy world, quote unquote, real history that happened, and the books are one telling of it, and the show is one telling of it, and it you can't necessarily trust any teller of these stories to be completely accurate and i think maybe people who read the books think of that as being the real history and the show is a different one but even some of those books are from the perspectives of characters who aren't necessarily fair or or they're knowledgeable humans yeah and some of the world is presented us through like uh, a maester's writings you know so there's going to be shades of what's real or not and all this and i expect whatever new series come out we're going to have these discrepancies that people read the books are going to be frustrated by, but I think it might be easier for you to accept them if you just <laughs> accept this is another telling of whatever the true history is. There will be clues in here what the true history is, even if it's not exactly correct. There's clues in the Bible about what really happened in history, even if there's, you know, fantastic miracle stories also, but you still can get these tentpole moments of things that happen in history in certain in locations fact, of the world. something we skipped over in our notes that you've saved by mentioning here at the end um, is the epic of Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh is considered a mythic as a legendary figure, but he was a real king. But the deeds attributed to him are where, who knows? That's not necessarily yeah. what he really did, but there's pretty hard evidence that he was a real person. But that, and that's the same thing. Thing I think we'll try to break down in this show, hopefully, if they do it well, because I think that's a really fun thing to do. Is show just like we talked about, Joe. You brought up uh, Troy, the movie. They showed how the myths developed from non-mythical, non-magical, just regular dudes doing things, and they showed how it turned into a myth. And I think that's. I hope that's what they do with this show, because there's a lot of you, because especially because we can see. The mistakes the in in the modern times, quote unquote modern times, we'll, we'll be able to go back and I'm sure they'll write some lines that contradict things that characters in Game of Thrones have said because they don't know better because it's been X thousand years since those things happened. Yeah, there's uh, I, I almost want them to just make the best show they can and not worry about being beholden to details, immense details <laughs> that it's almost impossible for anyone to keep track of all of them. I, I, like imagine if Aziz, if you like. Hey, Sean, I want you to do a podcast next week, but just do it the way I would do it. <laughs> you know, that's impossible to execute, you know? So I think as long as I do a good podcast, you know, I'm in the spirit of what Aziz would want. That's that's fine, and people yeah. can argue over the details, but I think as long as you're telling a good story in a good way and are true to the spirit of it, same thing. Some of the details of the Bible or Gilgamesh or Socrates or whatever, the details might not be quite accurate or true or maybe even are specifically embellished or whatever, but... A big part of them is to transfer insight and and supply entertainment. Yeah. And if they're doing that, okay, cool, awesome. Yeah, I mean, if it's a good show, it's a good show. That's true. Like, no matter how they do it, if it's a good show, I think that'll be something to be happy for, no matter, no matter how they manage to pull that off. And I think that's one of the biggest advantages of this show, just in general, is that there's... Uh, I think I've said this before, but just how little they have to adhere to. You do the Dance of the Dragons, you do Robert's Rebellion, there's exact events you have to get right or else people like us get angry. <laughs> that's right. How are you, you going to get angry at Brand the Builder's story when we know almost nothing about him? Great point. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, there's really, there's really only a couple of things that we know about the long night. And um, <laughs> wait, as, long wait, as, as, those, as long as they hit those important beats, 
uh, then, then you know, everyone will be happy. So that's that's really all I have to say about that. Okay. Um, well, I think that about wraps us up um, with that, with that awesome graphical image there of this brutality here. Look at that sword right through her, cutting her in half. Like, damn, <laughs> that's harsh. Dude, uh, listen, Michael Clarfield, the first one he sent me, she was completely topless. <laughs> and my wife looked at it and was like, yeah, that's you can't put that on the internet. That's not. I mean, she's I already mean, getting stabbed, dude. And I, and I, I wrote him back. I was like, Michael, I know the myth says she bared her breast, but dude, let's look at it, Michael. And he's German, and he's just like, what, what? And I'm like, dude, she can't be naked. Come on, big old boobs bouncing around, she's getting stabbed. I was like, dude, come on, man, give her a bra or something. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I I chose to play the uh, the PC version for y'all. Well, Casanova is telling us that we have to wrap up. That's that's his job. He's oh, the time yeah. cat. As you can see, he's very punctual and knows what he's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, we're, we're two minutes late, so we better cut this off. <laughs> or uh, West Coast time, anyway. So um, I'm going to uh, dispense with the Patreon credits this time since we're over and our, our internet is spotty. But thanks to everyone who supported us on Patreon or with straight donations or with liking and sharing and telling your friends about us. And also, I want to give big shout outs to our guests who I want you all to tell everyone where to find you and what you're doing next. What is your next project or projects? Oh, wait, uh, Sean, I just want to say hi to Joe. I don't think I've actually gotten to interact hi, with Sean. you. Yeah. It's good to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean in the stream or you mean in general? In general. No, I think we, we're yeah, both we at the con and we never met. So yeah. He played Quick Flash as you. Yeah, I was, I was oh, dancing yeah? Sean and Quick Flash. Oh, you were me. Fun. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't realize it was you. All right. <laughs> I'm more glad I brought this up. Now I know that. That's <laughs> awesome. Yes. <laughs> a missed connection that wasn't quite as missed as we thought. Okay, looks like LML is ready to go with his... Uh, oh, boy. Look at that. Between two werewolves. Yep, so. yep. Uh, yeah, got uh, hit the promo one more time. I just made the image, so throw it on up there. I just want to see everybody on Saturday. Uh, and, of course, I will eventually have Joe Magician mm -hmm. and Disease and Shea and Sean of House Beard and everybody else that you know that I know in the fandom. I'll even be reaching out for people I haven't worked with before, like some watchers on the wall people uh eventually get the talking thrones and smoke screen we've talked about doing something so you should reach out I'm, to george r, r. martin <laughs> i i do i'm scared i don't i don't even want to ask him any questions man i'm afraid he's just he's just gonna be like moon meteors that's ridiculous next question <laughs> and like my whole world will yeah. down. in any case uh, three o'clock eastern on saturday lucifer means light bringing youtube channel uh, I will see you then. I may or may not have wigs on. You know how it works. You will have a wig on. <laughs> Seems likely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about may or may not. Uh, I think that's uh, he'll have a wig on. <laughs> well, I'm trying. Look, I'm I'm trying. This this is a classy thing. This whole between two weirwoods thing. I mean, this is this is like you know on the couch, uh, elevated discussion, sipping coffee on the West Coast kind of thing. You know, I mean, like, well, not really. Yeah, I've seen Between Two Ferns, and it's not that. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I would more expect you to troll your your guests than to have a discussion with them. But you're not actually basing it off of his format, just his name, just the name. No, that, yeah, I was going to call it <laughs> Lucifer's Lounge. Uh, you know, but Joe's not that's funny at all. That's Mine's a much better name. Yeah, Joe's was much better. So thank you, Joe. <laughs> okay, so speaking of Joe Magician, tell everybody what you've got coming up and remind everyone how to find you out there in the uh, Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones fandom world. All right, here we go. So this is going to be a list. Cool. Um, 
Uh, the first thing you should do, you should go check out Maester Monthly, where he recently put out an episode on the spinoff uh, with myself, Eliana, uh, Bookshelf, I mean, Glass Table Girl, Bookshelf Stud, uh, Brendan B. Fish, and Admiral Curd. Go cool. check that out. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, coming up with Gray Area, we're going to do a video entitled How Far Can You Push the Old Gods Before They Push Back? We're going to be talking about the powers of the old gods and what they can actually do in universe. That's going to be a real fun one. That's cool. I heard she was doing that. I didn't know you guys were involved. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, we were talking about it uh, last night and we decided to do it. So it's going to be great. Um, on Watchers on the Wall, I'm going to have an article coming out probably within the next week about how to kill dragons. Talking about Viserion in the show coming up. And then for my own channel, uh, youtube.com slash Joe Magician, I'm working on my next essay, The the Bastard Children of Brandon Stark, oh, trying cool. to identify who they may all be, where they are in the story. It's, well, that's it's, deep. it's surprisingly possible how many different people could be Brandon Stark's children and how many of them would actually be huge reveals if they were. Wow. So, really uh changes some plots if they are instead of uh hidden uh, secret targaryens we got secret starks huh secret starks all over the place because brandon was uh the attorney at harrenhal really blows up the possibilities there's a lot oh. of women he could have been with there that's there's sure. quite a lot that's a good nice. point very good point it's gonna be a good one i'm really excited about that sean i had a thought i know we're wrapping up but i gotta get this out before i forget it okay. we watched that troy that b was it bbc production? it was bbc slash netflix yeah. yeah we talked uh, about it in this episode yeah the way they kind of like you got to see the gods observing or even interacting yeah. with the stories of man what if they did that for game of thrones world that would be I awesome i kind of doubt you know? it because yeah, george has always just, wants the gods yeah. to be ambiguous but yeah. they might have they might change their mind george is not in full control over this they might uh do something like that or at least the gods in, might be more of us seeing the green seers and stuff like that, which that's are close true. enough to gods. They're godlike. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that gets it too deep. That's into a cool idea. Theory, I like but, that. Um, okay, everybody. Thanks for coming. I have some, I gotta wrap up. Okay. Statements. Huh? I'm standing here. Oh yeah. I didn't realize that. My bad. That uh, we haven't had a chance to talk. I haven't had a chance to talk about it here. But if you look up on YouTube, Boat Sex 2.0, Boat Scene, <laughs> oh, Azor yes. A Hype. We had Con Snow, who goes to different conventions, notably Con of Thrones, who looks a lot like Jon Snow, and I filmed it. I did the camera work, and we like storyboarded it out and did the blocking and like did it, Kyle of Azor Ahai hype is Daenerys, and just, we've got bloopers. It's really fun. Also anyway. featuring Gemma from Secrets of the Sea. Yeah, that's true as well. So, anyways, it's uh, I just wanted to um, promote that real quick. Good idea. Yes, Good. glad you did that. Okay, so as far as what's next for us, we have. Um, History of uh, House Manually Part 2 is already up for patrons. And if you're a $2 patron, it's going to be released uh, right after we finish this live stream. If you're, uh, It's, it's going to be released to the general public on Saturday around uh, around this time. And after that, we're going to be working on Blood Raven Part 2, our Nymeria series. And we'll be back with another ish, uh, episode of Why We Love, uh, the topic to be determined. i got a, a short slash long list of possibilities run with that when the time comes so thanks to everybody who came everybody who joined us for the live stream chat and who sent a super chat or otherwise was uh made this stream a lot of fun and uh yeah check these other guys out on their streams and we'll see you all next time yeah hey, you guys subscribe, us. subscribe to my youtube channel if you haven't done that guys yeah do it me too hey, hey me too yeah get in there <laughs> just click that button follow me on twitter dancing sean yes do that too. that's a good follow right there <laughs> 
And dance like Sean. Yeah, and, and Miranee's not as well, also. Okay, guys, we'll see you next time. Valar reread us, Valar rewatch us. Damn it, Aziz.